Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. next person who has the sheer nerve, the sheer entitled caucasity to say all lives matter, I'm going to stab you. I'm going to stab you. And while you're struggling and bleeding out, I'm going to show you my paper cut and say, my cut matters too. In West Virginia, 200 people now are being asked to quarantine after potentially being exposed to the virus at a Planet Fitness gym in Morgantown, West Virginia. Joining me now is Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, who serves on the Armed Services Committee. Senator, why was that gym in Morgantown even open in the first place? Well, they opened back up with the second round, you know, and the governor opened up the gyms. And what had happened is they had uh, one one of the customers uh, at uh, on June the 24th between 9 and 3 p.m. They know what shift, and the person was diagnosed and was uh, and, and had the uh, virus. And uh, they've asked everybody that was there at that period of time, I think 205 of their customers, to self-quarantine for two weeks. They opened up again uh, this morning. You are sort of uniquely knowledgeable on so many fronts because you were a governor, you're from a red state, you are a Democrat. Uh, do you relate to what Governor Abbott, Governor DeSantis did in Texas and Florida and following the president's lead where this has become so political? You know, you're not a real man if you don't wear a, yeah, you know, if you wear a mask. Look at what we saw at the rally in Tulsa, rally in Phoenix. If you believe in one another, And if you do the right thing for yourself and your community, things will get better in this country. You don't need help from above. It's within us. CNN tonight. And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It's the 2nd of July, year of our Lord, 2020. And that intro pretty much is a nutshell of our show. You got the Harvard girl, which is the mob. I'm going to stab you in the face. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Mitchell... Only red states are bad at COVID, and Cuomo, you don't need God. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. I might as well just shut the show down. That's the show. It's like perfectly fell together, one after the other, little sound bites like that going, are you fucking shitting me? You don't need God, says Cuomo, the guy that always rolls out, I'm a Catholic. Uh, this is what real Christians should think. And Mitchell, they, they really believe people are going to believe that. And I'm not doing a lot of COVID today, but really? You really believe we're that dolt, doltish, that we're going to believe you're stupid? No. N- no, we're not. We're not, we're not going to believe it. So, I was going to start the show with Probasec, but by now most of you already seen it, so I'm going to skip that soundbite because it's very long, but it was horrible. And still to this date, nobody's talked about it. I was going to do a 4th of July one, but you know, I just can't. I just can't. And, and I hope you understand. I, I still love my flag. I love my country, but I am so disappointed with everything going on right now. I couldn't, I, I made a script. I was going to talk about the good things in America. And I just can't, I can't right now. It's, it's the, we're starting today with St. Louis. Cause I know we covered it, but 
it's long form now. So we got interviews and the media. It is so demoralizing. I mean, this whole thing has become demoralizing. And no, it's not because black people are getting their rights or gay people are getting their rights or all they say when people say, this isn't my country, it always goes back to, well, you want to go back to black people had their separate fucking bathroom and drinking fountain and wives were barefoot and pregnant. No! This wasn't, this is none of this is about America. None of this is about furthering any kind of rights. If anything, it is removing rights from normal citizens. That's all you're doing. Putting everybody in an unsafe position. That's, that's all this is about. And it's just horrible people in the street saying horrible things. We got a tranny today. I mean, before we get into St. Louis, let's just play this. Who the fuck does this person think they are? Well, I screwed up and I buried it somewhere in one of these montages I made, but it, it is literally more of a cast. It's like a cast system. They're basically saying, you didn't go to college, you're a fucking loser. It's like, what is wrong with these people? What literally makes you be like this? What makes you hate so much? And our intro girl, I mean, wow, her life got alterly changed because she wanted to be woke and she wanted to be in on it. So here's her tearful montage that came out this morning. She got fired. Yeah, she got fired because guess what? You, you, you can't do this. You can't say you're going to stab people in the fucking face and think there's no repercussions from normal businesses. It's a bridge too far. And then we'll go into our first media montage on St. Louis. I know this is what Trump supporters wanted um, because standing up for Black Lives Matter put me in a, in a place online to be seen by millions of people. The job that I had worked really hard to get and meant a lot to me has called me and fired me because of everything. Um, I don't know if everyone's seen, but it's been circulating a lot. Um, my Black Lives Matter TikToks were picked up by conservatives and spread and shared, and people were demanding that I be fired, which I, I just got. My job that I worked really hard for. This morning, another one, a tweet featuring video of a white couple in St. Louis pointing guns at black protesters walking by on a street in front of their home. One of the president's supporters in Congress tweeting, this is all of us. All right, John Carl joins us now from the White House. And John, local authorities investigating that couple tonight? The top prosecutor for the city of, of St. Louis announced that they are investigating, saying, quote, we must protect the right to peacefully protest, and any attempt to chill it through intimidation or the threat of deadly force will not be tolerated. The attorney for that gun-toting couple has also a statement out saying their actions were born solely of fear and apprehension, were not race-related. In fact, Tom, the lawyer for the couple, claims that they support the protesters and the Black Lives Matter movement. This evening, a new firestorm involving President Trump after he retweeted an inflammatory video made during a protest in St. Louis. This follows a racist video he retweeted the day before. NBC's Kristen Welker has more now from the White House. 
Tonight, as protests for racial justice persist, the president is again stoking tensions on Twitter, sharing a video today of a white couple in an upscale St. Louis neighborhood pointing firearms and shouting at peaceful protesters. The White House has not commented on that video. They did not go up your steps. They didn't go to your house. They didn't touch you. They didn't try to enter your home. They didn't try to do anything uh, to your kids. But you say you were assaulted. You're using the civil definition of that, uh, which is that you had the apprehension that something bad was going to happen to you. But nothing did. But to call terrorism, when the people are there protesting how the community is treated by the police, is a little bit of reverse psychology at a minimum, is it not? No. You're absolutely, you're absolutely wrong. The reason why they did not get up my steps was that my wife and I were there with, with weapons to keep them off our steps. When How we do you know? Confront, because they were coming at us until they, I displayed the weapon and that stopped them. But do you have proof of them actually approaching your house? You know, Chris, this is not a Black Lives Matters matter movement constitutional rights of each and every citizen in this land. They can't be compromised with without recognizing that the message of Black Lives Matter will cease to have any meaning at all. But who because is breaking it? We have but he liked the image of white resistance to this movement. And I'm not saying that was fair to you, but we know that's why he did it, because that's why he deleted it. I wanted you to well, speak I'm glad for yourself. I'm, I'm glad you're a mind reader, because no one else thinks you are. How do you feel about becoming the face of political resistance to the Black Lives Matter movement. First of all, that's a completely uh, ridiculous statement. I'm not the face of anything opposing the Black Lives Matter movement. I was a person scared for my life, who is protecting my wife, my home, my hearth, my livelihood. I was a victim of a mob that came through the gate. I didn't care what color they were. I didn't care what their motivation was. I was frightened. I was assaulted, and I was in imminent fear that they would run me over, kill me, burn my house. And you have to have this in the context of St. Louis, where on June the 2nd of this year, I watched the city burn. I watched the 7-Eleven get smashed in, looted, and burned for 40 minutes on live television with nobody showing up to do anything. And I realized at that time, we're on our own. When bad things happen, they unpredictably turn really bad, real fast. That same night, retired St. Louis Police Captain David Doran was murdered. These things get very bad very quickly. And when those people came through the gate, when it was a mob, I didn't take the time to see their, their birth certificates or anything else. I was defending my, my house, my life, my wife, and what I've spent 32 years building there. I understand what you say your rationale was. Uh, to be clear... Did anything happen to you or your property? Did anything happen? To, yeah, my, my, my uh, life has been ruined. No, I'm no, no, no. Target we'll, no of, we'll get to that, Mr. McCloskey. I don't mean to cut you off. But I'm saying that night, did anything happen to you, your family, or your property? Yeah, it's called social intimidation. It's called terrorism. Chris, what's the definition of terrorism? To use violence and intimidation to frighten the public. That's what was happening that night. It's what happened to me. And that's the damage I suffered. You were the one pointing a loaded weapon at a group of people who were walking past looking for the mayor's house as a point of protest. No, I'm kidding. Chris, that's an entirely false concept. No single media outlet has ever mentioned the complete falsity of that statement. My name is Tanisha Long. I'm an activist from the Pittsburgh area. I am the founder of Black Lives Matter Pittsburgh in Southwestern PA.
Tanisha Long has been an advocate for the black community in Pittsburgh for more than a decade. A hometown hero fighting for social justice and better education in her home state. After the death of George Floyd, Tanisha took charge of her local social justice movement. Everybody's been walking up saying, what can we do? What's next? Creating BLM Pittsburgh in June, a group that's now more than 6,000 strong. A sign, Tanisha says, that the Berg is ready to take on racial injustice and help inspire real revolutionary change. Some people wow. talk, some people Smart. do. Tanisha Long <laughs> is a doer. It's unbelievable how much they lied on this. They broke down a gate. They were saying they're going to kill them and kill their dog. There was white people. Even the guy said it was white people coming at us, but it's black people. This is The media wants this division. They want Biden elected, and they think if they can do this, they'll get everybody fired up and then get that 98% voting block to go vote for an old white guy. Because this is a complete lie of a story. Here is a soundbite. It's a little long. But it's the actual video, and you can hear them saying, we're going to kill you and kill your dog. Y'all see, he got a gun and shit. Y'all can see. Y'all see, on my live feed, live, he got his rifle. Uh, Y'all can see. He does have a weapon. And y'all can see. He's in the video, he does have a rifle.
All right, y'all see he got a gun and shit. So y'all can see. Y'all see on my live feed live. He got his rifle. Uh, y'all can see. He does have a weapon. As y'all can see. In the I mean, the thing about it is that they were they were just going to harass the mayor because they want the mayor revoked because the mayor isn't doing the full BLM. I mean, this this fucking shit. St. Louis attorneys Mark and Patricia McCosley released a statement through attorneys saying they support Black Lives Matter and they acted lawfully on their property. The couple, through their attorneys, say the agitator responsible for the trepidation were white. Both of these people donate to blue causes. They're liberals. People have doxed them. Lynn Robert LeMay. This is a white person. It's exactly like what we're talking about with the fucking little uh, Pacific Islander lady that we had in the beginning of the show stab somebody in the eye. Everybody wants to be woke. Everybody wants to be part of this and say, hey, I'm with black people. And I don't think it's because of the cause. I think it's because they're scared because everybody's scared. June was the highest month ever. 3.9 background checks. So many goddamn guns were bought. There are people that you have to get an appointment to buy ammo in some states. They went too far. You've gone so far, everybody's scared. So we're seeing all this virtue signaling by normal people that would never get involved. Lynn Robert Lays. Mm, I'd say they're screwed. None of the links work and no one's answered the phone. I hope they lose their business. I'd be mortified and fire them if I hired the McCloskey to represent me. Media misleads. Here are the leads on all of this. Washington Post. St. Louis couple points guns at peaceful crowd of protesters calling for mayor to resign. CBS News. White couple aims guns at St. Louis protesters. So we got to get the light in. Yamichiel Cinder, peaceful protester. Daily Mirror, chilling moment. White couple pulls gun on peaceful BLM protesters. Bloomberg, video shows white couple pointing guns. BBC or ABC News, a couple pointed guns at protesters St. Louis as a group marched towards the mayor home to demand her resignation. At least they told the truth. They were just going to harass the mayor. Guardian, white couple. AJ Plus, a white couple 
Associated Press. A video shows an unidentified couple in St. Louis pointing guns at protesters who are marching to demand the mayor's resignation after she read the names and addresses of some residents who support defunding the police. Yahoo! St. Louis couple points guns at marching protesters. At no time did anybody in the media say, hey, they kicked in a gate, this is private property, this is a private area. Then you heard Cuomo, that's why I played it up front. Who are you to do this? They didn't touch you. They're just peaceful protesters on private property. Saren Italy, where in your article does he say that pass through a private property gate marked with no trespassing? A white couple. Who the, care, who the hell cares what color they are? They were defending their property against 500 angry mob people. Amy Swear, a mob of protesters broke through a gate and rushed into private property. That's absolutely provocation. provocation. Two, being drastically outnumbered on your own property by a mob with zero respect for the rule of law are your rights is um, precisely the time an AR is necessary. Kristen Clark, armed couple, wields AR-15 or other weapon of war at BLM demonstrator in Central Park End, Section of St. Louis, woman points handgun as they walk by the house and route to the mayor. This is an unprovoked display of lethal force. And I was going to play the soundbite her and all this media did, and it omits anything. It's just them going, let's go, boom, 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 let's go. Educated hillbilly replies to her. Here's a gate, here's a street. This is not a weapon of war. Matthew Culkin, the Washington propaganda. It should be noted Missouri has a castle doctrine, meaning the property owners have no duty to retreat from any private property they own. The trespassers, peaceful crowd, however, are not entitled to the same protection. The hash, he goes, hashtag 2A, working as designed. Hollywood mocks terrified St. Louis couple defending their home from the BLM mob. Um, let's see who we had. There's several Hollywood finest lefties derided the terrified couple. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, Chris and Maloney, Josh Gad. Uh, Kristen Maloney, a pink skirt and khakis alarm me more. Jeffrey Wright mocked the gun-sporting couple as well, pretending to be the man holding the AR-style weapon, Wright stared. Get to moving, punks, or I'll smoke my darling wife whole right hand. You hear me? Get. I'm not reading it. Because they're fucking hypocrites. Josh Gad, the little gay dude, putting the insanity of this image aside for a second with regard to these two people looking like they're a diehard film, why are they living in the St. Louis Museum of Natural History? I'm sure their house costs less than yours, Josh Gad. And that's the part about this. Every one of these people will turn into fucking Jenny Durkin out of Seattle the moment this mob shows up on the front porch. They're cool with it now. Everybody's cool with it. Oh, yeah. Fuck them goddamn white people. Oh, wait a minute. You're on my yard? Fuck that. Get the gun, honey. You're fucking hypocrites. This is just like the Michigan protesters all over again. The media is outright lying. They're fucking not putting out the truth for a political agenda. It is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. This whole story... 
I mean, lefty think tank president Jerry Taylor, the head of Google-funded left-wing think tank, Nikiski Center, wrote on Monday they'd like to beat the brains in of the St. Louis couple who defended themselves from violent trespassers. If I were in that march and these racist lunatics were waving guns at me, I'd like to think I'd rush them and beat their brains in. And I wouldn't apologize for it for one goddamn second. They're in a shark frenzy. Local stuff. Central West End couple explained why they pointed guns. A husband and wife made national news when photos captured them pointing guns at protesters Sunday night. During the protests, images and videos show Mark McCloskey, 63, holding a rifle, and his wife, Patricia McCloskey, 61, pointing a handgun. McCloskey said they were in fear for their lives, and that's why they pulled the guns. It was like a storming of the Bastille. The gate came down, and a large crowd of angry, aggressive people poured through. I was terrified that we'd be murdered within a second. Our house would be burned down. Our pets would be killed. Mark said they called 911 and grabbed their guns as they heard the crowd approaching their private gated community on Portland Place. A mob of at least a 100 smashed through the historic wrought iron gate of Portland Place, destroying them, rushed towards my home where my family was was having dinner outside and put us in fear for our lives. Um, McCloskey said and shared photos of the destroyed gate. Despite his claim, video circulating on social media shows protesters opening and walking through the unbroken gate. After they broke it down, they staged a fucking video. It's already been proven. They staged a video. The couple also claims to have received death threats from the crowd. One fellow standing right in front of me pulled out two pistol magazines, clicked them together and said, You're next. That was the first death threat of the night. In a separate statement from their attorney, McCloskey said they support the Black Lives Matter movement and the peaceful protesters were not the subject of scorn or disdain by McCloskey. To the contrary. Remember, I played on the back end of our little bumper for this. The lady they covered on NBC celebrating America for 4th of July, a BLM protester... They don't know who these people are. They don't know how to deal with these people. All they know, all they know is that they don't want the mob on their house. Here's local coverage of it. Thank you for joining us tonight. I'm Lauren Traeger. St. Louis Mayor Lyda Cruson finds herself in the middle of a growing controversy tonight. This coming after the mayor apologized for reading names and addresses of people who want to defund the police. News 4's Alexis Sotos is live outside the mayor's home tonight where protesters are still gathered. So Alexis, what's the scene like there? Well, Lauren, there are definitely still around 100 people that have gathered outside of the mayor's home tonight. These flyers were posted on cars around this Central West End neighborhood. Zoom in you an idea. If you take a look, you can sort of see through the group that there is paint on the ground. They have painted the words resign. The chant is protesters shut down King's Highway and Lindell called on Mayor Lata Cruson to resign. Protesters marched to the mayor's home in the Central West End. On their way, a couple came outside of their home holding guns. Protesters kept going, parking themselves in front of the mayor's house. The growing call comes after Friday's Facebook Live video. They presented some... Um, uh, papers to me about how they wanted the budget to be spent. The mayor went on to share the names and partial addresses of some who shared their opinions on defunding the police, a demand of protesters. 
The names and addresses are public record, but the mayor has apologized, saying, never did I intend to harm anyone or cause distress. The update is removed, and again, I apologize. That apology is not accepted by Emily Edgel. You don't understand. I mean, that's the nicest way I can put it. You couldn't possibly understand. She and her sons have been marching in many of the protests over the last month. She wants the mayor to step down. More than 38,000 who've signed a petition started on Friday. Alderwoman Kara Spencer is running against Cruson in next year's mayoral election. She denounced the Facebook video but stopped short of calling for resignation. Look, it's a tough time to be a mayor. Uh, but it's our job as elected officials to rise to the challenge um, and to put first the, the safety um, uh, and well-being of those that we're elected to serve. Critics have said the mayor's reading of names and partial addresses put lives at risk. But it's not uncommon at public meetings and is a requirement at St. Louis County Council meetings for anyone making a comment. The email must contain the commenter's name and physical address. If the mayor resigned, Board of Alderman President Louis Reed would take on the role. But a spokesperson for the mayor says she has no intention of stepping down. So you can see here there were barricades that were put up all around the mayor's home and some of the other houses in this neighborhood earlier today. Those were put up by police. Most of them have been knocked down at this time. Again, the mayor has called what she did on that Facebook a mistake and has apologized. But she says through a spokesperson tonight that she has no intention of resigning. Reporting live, Alexis Zotos, News 4. Thank you for tracking that out there, Alexis. I really appreciate it. Now, those pictures that Alexis mentioned of the Central West End homeowners with weapons certainly gaining a lot of attention on social media with some people supporting them for protecting their property and a lot of other people strongly criticizing them. Now, we don't know a lot about the circumstances surrounding this or how it led up to this, but tonight I did reach out to the police to see if they were called to the home and what they think about it all. We're still waiting to hear back from them. A woman also answered the phone at the number listed for the property, but when asked if the homeowner was available, she said, not tonight. Certainly, it's a situation we will continue to track. It, it, everything is a lie. Everything you're seeing is a lie. It's all lies. Jim Scudo, by retweeting this, is the president saying it's okay to confront unarmed protesters by pointing guns at them? Jesse Kelly, whether or not you're unarmed is not the problem. Stay off my property. I don't give a damn that real Donald Trump or any other politician or media hack says when it comes to protecting my private property. Shane Stiles, by tweeting this, Jim Scudo saying private property isn't a thing and therefore shouldn't be protected. Sweet, free-roaming access to all CNN property for everyone. The mob of over 100 people broke through a private gate that was clearly marked as such as trespass with no trespassing on it. Americans have the right to defend their property. Net Advisor Org. Let's help the lawyer. And this is back to Clark, who's saying that it was a weapons of war. Missouri's an open carry state. One has the right to defend property. An AR-15 is not a weapon of war. Don't see you whine about CHOP BLM in Atlanta carrying ARs. Jim, you're a lawyer, is another reply. They broke into private property. Even if they didn't break into private property, they're on private property. Then the black BLM activist attorney, circuit attorney, says she's going to file charges against him. 
I am alarmed at the event that occurred over the weekend where peaceful protesters were met by guns and violent assault. A violent assault. Nobody got assaulted. That's a lie. But, you know, why do we talk about facts? We can just lie. We must protect the right to peacefully protest and any attempt to chill it through intimidation or threat. A deadly force will be not, will not be tolerated. Tom Gara, police investigating the St. Louis incident are considering a case of fourth degree assault by intimidation. Wait for it. By the protesters. Tom Gara. The homeowners broke no laws by brandishing or pointing weapons at them because Portland police is a private street, he said. They are legally protected by Missouri Castle Doctrine, which allows people to use deadly force and defend private property. That's why this story dropped like a fucking bad bagel that it was. They were lying. They knew they were lying. They they just wanted to get the click off it and make sure the mob doesn't come on their front. And the thing that's so hypocritical about this, and I didn't see anybody say it, if CNN's so down with people going on private property, why did you repel them from your headquarters in Atlanta? Why did you put a wall around it? Why are you selling the building? Yeah, yeah, yeah they're selling their Atlanta HQ. They don't want to be part of it anymore. Because they can't be guaranteed to be fucking free. And then we have video of them literally talking because now NYC is removed. Because we're going to switch over really quick. Because um, I, I want to play that tranny. I'm pretty sure it's in this package. NYC has a chop now. They evacuated the police. De Blasio literally, and I, I couldn't find a soundbite so I'd play it because it's just fucking classic. He's withdrawing $1 billion for the police budget. He's going to start implementing social workers and community organizers to start taking care of all these killings because it works so good in CHOP in Seattle. That's why they tore CHOP down. It's gone. It's devastated. I can't play the video because I'm not a video show, but the place is destroyed. All those businesses are destroyed. Everything's destroyed. Who's paying for it? But NYC is letting one go. And CNN had de Blasio on and said, which sounded like Fox, because once again, these reporters live there. As they sit and talk about peaceful protesters, and we don't need cops, and we're all good with this, they live in neighborhoods that are fucking ass-fucked right now. I mean, just ass-fucked. There's a thousand, there's like 500 shootings this year in Atlanta. Or uh, New York, I'm sorry. 500 shootings. It's through the roof. Crime is going crazy. And all these people live there. So they care about that. So the New Day fucking twat, that dude, Berman, he was literally saying, well, why would, is this the time to do it when crime's pretty bad? Hint, hint, hey dude. I didn't have a garbage can, remember Seltzer? You gotta take my garbage can away. This is violence. There's a lot of violence going on. I mean, we're not reporting it because we're on your side, but this is pretty fucking bad. Why are you getting rid of the goddamn cops? But this is the chop now. Now we have chop and NYC sponsored by the mayor at City Fucking Hall.
Bali, this is beautiful. you don't have a college education that's a dude in a gray miniskirt or green miniskirt a miniskirt this is the people we're talking about yeah I said it a fucking freak it, it's it's like going back to fucking climate change or gun violence little fucking turds and we're all supposed to do what they want that's what we're supposed to do now because they vote blue. And all these fuckers are for it until it shows up on the front door. Once it gets on the front door, like, I fucking hold the fucking phone. And our media is so wrapped up in this. Now they're going after everything. Democratic Party begins demonizing Mount Rushmore, referred to July 4th celebration as glorifying white supremacy. They deleted this tweet, but the Democrats... Trump has disrespected Native communities time and time again. He's attempted to limit their voting rights and blocked critical pandemic relief. Now he's holding a rally glorifying white supremacy at Mount Rushmore, a region once sacred to tribal communities. So now they actually want to get rid of Mount Rushmore. Stephen L. Miller. Gosh, I sure would be neat if there was an entire industry of professionals could ask a Democrat nominee for president of his party if he agrees with sentiment that Mount Rushmore glorifies white supremacy. I mean, we still don't even know where he stands on removing statues. They let him out to run around once a week and give him a 12-minute statement on something and then back to the basement, Grandpa. Matt Woking. 
The moment the Democrat Party attacked Mount Rushmore, which features George Washington, Jefferson, Roosevelt, and Lincoln as a symbol of white supremacy. The foreign media, including the Democrat Party, linked to quotes as activists saying Mount Rushmore is a symbol of white supremacy, of structural racism that's still alive and well in society today. The party of Joe Biden is now attacking Mount Rushmore. Zach Parkinson, shot chaser. Obama, Bernie, Biden, HRC, all doing photo ops in front of Mount Rushmore. Zach Parkinson, Democrats cancel Mount Rushmore because it's a symbol of white supremacy. Also Democrats, ooh, let's campaign at Mount Rushmore. Oh no, DNC is going to need to cancel one of its national committee members. Here's in the article, I think it'd be much more impactful watching Joe Biden give his acceptance speech in front of Mount Rushmore or the front of Martin Luther King Memorial in Washington or another historic site to articulate the vision and the idea he represents of the country. So which one is it? But of course it means they're not going to ask Biden. I mean, everybody needs to get it. Everybody. Everybody needs to be asked that question, but they won't do it. The right does. Megan McCain. We like one week removed from entire cable news panel debating whether or not we should blow up Mount Rushmore. Ben Shapiro wrote a Twitter, so when is our woke historical revisionist priesthood going to insist on blowing up Mount Rushmore? South Dakota Governor Katsi Noam responded to Shapiro, not on my watch. And then if they weren't doing this, Karen Atai, a blue check that goes on CNN, we started up, it's white women's fault. I just threw this in here because I didn't want to miss it. This is, I say every year, every fucking year, my friends, we start with it's white women that are evil bitches. The Karen, we're all into, it was Boomer for a while, now it's Karen. Everybody's a Karen. This went out, and I think she deleted it because she realized what she had done. The lies and tears of white women hath wrought the 1921 Tulsa massacre that I found out when I watched The Watchmen, murder of Emmett Till, exclusion of black women from feminist movement, 53% of white women voting for Trump. White women are lucky that we were just calling them Karen and not calling for revenge. So now they want to cancel white women. Okay. And then the canceler of all canceler, Jamel Hill. This is terrible, but then again, consider the source. Unearth. Racist barstool sports segment on Colin Kaepernick, Nick, and Arabs. It comes from forever ago. So people go back in the system, and I'm, once again, the rules are the rules. You make the rules... So, we're just following the rules. You go back 10, 15 years ago, find a soundbite or a tweet by somebody, say they're not woke to today's standard. Well, it happens to you too. This is Jamel Hill. My Facebook friends are calling him Manny the Tranny. So inappropriate and hilarious. She did a 10 screed, I am woke now, but fuck you for going in the past to find something. You think you're cool, but you're not. And then the entire world goes, well, wait a minute. That's what you do. You dig up old tweets on people and, and then 
sit there and say by today's standard. I mean, if we went back to every one of these black fucking uh, race hustlers and what they were saying about the tip of the spear for intersectionality, your new religion, black trannies, I'm sure we'd find some skeletons in everybody's closet. Everybody. But to close our A block, Laura Logan. I think she kind of sums it up, and then we're going to go to a music break and do a quick Internet's a Devil. Got to do just one of the articles. I had 20, but, you know. Her screed. I have been a journalist for more than 35 years, and I've never in my life witnessed such extreme disinformation coming from political figures. Four years of nonsense, lies peddled by Democratic leaders, believed by Trump haters, promoted by journalists pretending to care about the truth. It is sickening to watch people get away with it year after year. I am not and have never been defined by politics. I know the difference between good and evil, and I fight for the good. The truth is, all that matters in the end. But amazingly, one side clings to lies. I could say this no matter who was on which side. They say it because I'm the darling of the right. But it's not true. They say that to take away decades of award-winning reporting and sacrifice and reduce all those years of work and credibility because it threatens your lie. You can't create a false narrative of Russian collusion and spend tens of millions of taxpayer money looking for any way to support the lie, then have to admit the truth and still expect honest, decent people to fall for the ongoing lie you continue to build regardless of the facts. Only the ideological blinded would still believe at this point that President is a Russian spy, still doing Putin's bidding and a white supremacist neo-Nazi, like the African-American Hispanic people I was reporting on this week, all labeled white supremacists too. Their crime was supporting a political candidate the left is determined to destroy, as they say, by any means necessary. How do you label a black woman with three degrees, one of them from Stanford, and two mixed-race daughters a white supremacist? So many Americans see through this and are tired of these smears. What many say to me is that you can oppose racism, racial injustice, and support justice for George Floyd and others killed like him and support the police at the same time. You can be critical of this country and love it at the same time. You do not have to hate America to be a good person. The media megaphone today is held by those who see things one way, but there are millions of Americans today whose voices are ignored. I know because I hear from them all the time. They say the majority is not silent. They say the majority is not silent. It is loud, but the media isn't listening to them because they look down on those living in the flyover country who may not think the same way they do. What they also say is they do not do but not believe this country is divided. Millions do not believe this country is divided, and we've never been more united in condemning standing against racism. The shocked leaders of both sides are not standing up for the principles in which the country was founded and say 1619 is part of what made 1776 so great. It led to the document based on principle of justice and equality and freedom that was meant ultimately to right the wrongs of the past and guarantee those things for for all. Regardless of how you see it, this world has stood as a beacon of light in a dark world and still does. Leaders who do not stand to gain from America's destruction are watching from afar. Some have expressed to me in recent weeks that they fear for freedom everywhere if that light goes out here. And it is going out here. More and more of us 
are wondering what's going to happen to this country. Because the 15 or 20% who hate it so bad, it's all the media wants to project because they hate it too and they're scared. I'm going to play our music break bumper and it's going to be the press secretary slamming some absurd questions and the New York Times inability to project truth yet get Pulitzer for it. But when do you think somebody could have gone into the press room and asked Obama something horrible? Because Ryan Eliza literally had the gall to ask, is, is Trump happy that the North won in the Confederate War or the Civil War? That is some far left shit that came out in 2016 on the left they would tweet it now our press believes that's true does he believe does president trump believe that it was a good thing that the south lost the civil war and then two is he interested in following nascar's example and banning the confederate flag at his own events the first question is absolutely absurd. He's proud of the United States of America. Um, second, with regard to our statues, um, Americans oppose tearing down our statues. There is a Harvard-Harris poll released just last week that shows 60% of respondents said the statues should remain, and 71% said local governments should block groups from physically destroying the statues. So he stands on the side of preserving our history. Uh, thank you. Um, so one question follow-up and then a separate issue. I just want to be clear, there are congressional leaders who are being briefed on the Russia situation, but the president has still not been briefed on the situation? Look, this has been asked and answered. The president is briefed on verified intelligence. And how does he know, if he hasn't been briefed, how is he certain that Russia didn't put out his balance? The president is briefed on verified intelligence, and again, I would just point you back to the absolutely irresponsible decision of the New York Times to falsely report that he was briefed on something that he, in fact, was not briefed on. Um, and I really think that it's time for the New York Times to step back and ask themselves why they've been wrong, so wrong, so often. The New York Times falsely claimed Paul Manafort asked for polling data to be passed along to Oleg, Oleg Deripaska before having to issue a correction. In June of 2017, the New York Times falsely wrote all 17 intel agencies had agreed on Russian interference before having to issue a correction that it was only four agencies. In 2017, February of that year, New York Times published a story claiming Trump campaign aides had repeated contacts with Russian intelligence, which even James Comey has said was almost entirely wrong, New York Times. New York Times published a column in March of 2019 by a former Times executive editor that asserted the Trump campaign in Russia had an overarching deal that the quit of help in the campaign against Hillary for the quo of a new pro-Russian foreign policy. That's what we call the Russia hoax, which was investigated for three years with taxpayer dollars before ultimately getting an exoneration in the Mueller report. It is inexcusable, the failed Russia reporting of the New York Times, and I think it's time that the New York Times and also the Washington Post hand back their Pulitzers. 
Um, there's a national conversation going on right now about the proper place of symbols of the Confederacy, statues, memorials, names, and uh, the president has repeatedly inserted himself into this debate. And I think a lot of people are trying to understand what his view of uh, memorializing the Confederacy is and the proper place of the Confederate flag. So a couple questions. One, does he believe, does President Trump believe that it was a good thing that the South lost the Civil War? And then two, is he interested in following NASCAR's example and banning the Confederate flag at his own events? Well, your first question is absolutely absurd. He's proud of the United States of America. media and the White House, it is uh, heating up, <laughs> to say the least. I want you to hear this. This is White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders trying to defend herself there at Thursday's briefing. She's under attack. Watch. I think it would be a good thing if you were to say right here uh, at this briefing that the press, the people who are gathered in this room right now, uh, doing their jobs every day, asking questions of officials like the ones you brought forward earlier, are not the enemy of the people. I, I think we we deserve that. It's ironic, Jim, uh, that not only you and the media attack the president for his rhetoric uh, when they frequently lower the level of conversation in this country. Repeatedly, repeatedly, the media resorts to personal attacks without any content other than to incite anger. Uh, the media has attacked me personally on a number of occasions, including your own network, said I should be harassed as a life sentence, that I should be choked. ICE officials are not welcomed in their place of worship, and personal information is shared on the Internet. When I was hosted by the Correspondents Association, of which almost all of you are members of, you brought a comedian up to attack my appearance and call me a traitor to my own gender. In fact, as I know, um, I'm, as far as I know, I'm the first press secretary in the history of the United States that's required secret service protection yeah it's too bad uh you know she's just trying to do her job and you know i've defended acosta as well because he's come under fire when he's out in the field he's trying to do his job uh for some reason we seem to be losing as a country an appreciation for diversity and intellectual thought and it seems as though it's worse than ever right now Uh, and that may be because, as you heard from Daniel Hoffman, the Russians want nothing but that. Here to discuss how past administrations have dealt with the threat of foreign intelligence operations on our soil, as well as the uh, media itself, we have presidential historian Doug Weed. It's good to see you, Doug. Hi. All right, Thank so you. we'll get to the media in a second, but walk me through sort of the history of sort of intel campaigns that have been run here in the U.S. that are designed propaganda campaigns, whether it be from Russia or other actors. They're designed to basically undermine our faith in our democratic institutions. Well, we've had it from the very beginning. Uh, There were accusations against Thomas Jefferson saying he was a tool of the French and that 
France was running the country behind the scenes. They said John Adams was a tool of the British. Wait a second. So I, I hear you, right? Like other presidents have been through it. But I'm actually curious about another matter, because I think what you saw up there between Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Jim Acosta sort of exemplifies the bad state we're in, this divided state we're in as a country. And, uh, you know, we heard earlier from Daniel Hoffman, who used to run the CIA out of the Middle East, uh, spent many years as a, as a covert operator in the CIA and in places like Russia. And, you know, he believes that, that Russia wants us to be in this divided state and has worked aggressively to put us here. So from a historical perspective, uh, have they done this before, sir? The Russians? Yeah. <laughs> yes, they've always been very active. Uh, in fairness, we've been active, too. We've overthrown governments in Chile, the Philippines, Iran, Iraq, Vietnam. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. We influenced the election in Israel. Barack Obama didn't like who the Israelis were going to elect as president, so we're very involved so as well. So everyone does this. Okay. So... Why is it that the Russians are, are more successful right now um, than they've previously been? Is it the use of social media? Is it the ability of the, the, to, to basically manipulate the mainstream media itself? I think that's part of it, and I think it's because the media wants it to be. The media, uh, when, when Donald Trump ran for president, he had 249 newspapers opposing him. He had 19 that favored him. They were absolutely stunned by his victory, and they can't get over it. And so I think that's part of what's inflamed the story and keeps it going. I mean, you can't have it both ways. You can't, on the one side, say this president's just a complete dunce, and then, on the other hand, say he's conspired with the Russians to steal the election, and he's covered it up so well nobody can see it. I mean, either he's this great genius who pulls all the strings and makes it work just perfectly beyond their imaginations, uh, or he's the outsider and disruptor, which the American people thought they elected. Mm -hmm. One or the other. But importantly, you're also making the point that we've been here before as a country. Why? It feels worse now for some reason. Maybe that's, I don't know, maybe it's because we've got so many cable stations. <laughs> I like cable stations, right? I work for one. But, you know, is it because all this news is out there so ready and available and, and we, see, we see how the sausage is made, including a very contentious press conference there yesterday. Yeah, that's a very good point you make. And to take you down memory row, the media didn't like John Quincy Adams. So they called it the corrupt bargain because they didn't like the way he won in the House. So they brutalized his family. His son committed suicide. They couldn't get old Hickory. That's why they called him old Hickory Andrew Jackson. So they went after his wife, who, who read the newspapers, had a stroke and died. They went after Sims Harrison, who died left six children. They went after Andrew Johnson, who was impeached. He had a son who worked in the White House with him. He made the mistake of consorting with prostitutes. The newspapers brutalized him. He took his own life. They went after FDR's son, Jimmy. They went after his daughter, Anna, who, like Ivanka, worked in the White House for her father. And she had a husband who was a journalist who jumped out of a New York uh, skyscraper to his death. It's always been very, very brutal. At times, they're like a pack of dogs. And that doesn't help the Trumps any to know it. But at least now, they're going through this, and their father is different. He's fighting back. Doug, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you. Interesting perspective. <laughs> So before we get to the rest of the violence, we have Detroit today, which the media's lying about, not covering very much, uh, Utah and a bunch of other stuff. I wanted to get a section on the Internet. 
who I believe is the reason that destroying, you know, is dividing our country, where we can't have conversations anymore. We just have echo chambers, and everybody listens to their side. Uh, the individual that fact-checked me that spurred me to leave fa- Facebook, a super lib person, we probably wouldn't have been friends on Facebook if it wasn't that we served together. Because we are all in our own camp now. And the problem is it becomes more divisive when only conservatives are fact-checked. When only conservatives, or I won't even say conservatives, non-progs get censored, termed of services, all this bullshit. It only goes one way. You can say, I'm going to kill cops on Twitter. You can say, I'm going to hang people on Facebook. Those posts don't get taken down. They may go away, as my little fact checker out there thought. And PolitiFact said, we can't confirm it because we can't find it, which doesn't mean that it's not there. You just couldn't find it. The fact of the matter is, they don't get suspended, deplatformed. They stay up. The kid that got arrested in my last podcast, it's still there. I'm going to kill a cop. Because term of service only applies to people that aren't on their team. But the sound bites I got in the last podcast you heard, it's the alt-right, the scary alt-right. It's just the alt-right fucking with social media. And that's because that's the attack. They don't want us there. They just want an echo chamber. They are the ones that are helping get rid of everybody who's not them on social media because they clearly don't want to hear opposing voices. Opposing voices and opposing views are racist or sexist or homophobic. And since they know the media is all Twitterites, if it was just liberals, they'd finally get the media they want, which is propaganda, re-education, Kind of like that NBC soundbite. Yeah, let's celebrate America, not with a soldier or a policeman that defends the country, a protester. And I didn't dox her, but she's not a good person. She's not out there for rights. She's just another fucking thug under a banner of BLM who want the country destroyed. They, They don't want... Equality. They're not out there for equal rights. They want supremacy. They want a socialist state. They want you to have less money so they can have more. That's the purpose of BLM. It's not this, oh, cops are killing people. They know that fucking stats don't back that up. It's a lie. It's all a lie. But I started, well, I'm going to do another segment because I read this from a lady. And then I'll read the headings, but there is one article we're going to do today that says how divisive social media is. The second soundbite that I played there was, and I forgot to say because I started on a rant, was, you know, they say it's the media separating and dividing. Oh, it is, but it's really social media in my opinion. This is where we learn not to have a discussion, not to accept other people have other views. Twitter and Facebook don't allow it. So her name is GOP Pouncer. Rant on race, cancel culture, Twitter, toxicity, and goodbye. 
This is my last one. It's going to be a long one as I've had a lot of unpacked. Please bear with me. Twitter has been my home away from home for years. I've shared my life on Twitter. Many of my rants have gone viral. I've talked about my abortion, my rape, my disease, and my politics. I've talked about being an American in Saudi Arabia. At times, I said so much that I should and taken risks that I really shouldn't have. I've met amazing people, many of who know how know me off Twitter. I've been honest and open and never shied away from who I am. That being said, the last six months have been hell on this platform. I've been subjected to such dehumanization and hate that I've changed who I am. I started blocking, and I closed my DMs, and then I started reporting. I'm not that person. I believe in give and take and conversation, no matter how acrimonious. I've never been suspended, as I've always tried not to be hateful. Maybe I didn't always succeed. I've been reported over and over again, been limited and had my tweets deleted. Twitter safety on their, on their hand doesn't, doesn't someone telling me, doesn't think someone telling me die GOP cunt as violating the turn of service. The absolute double standard on this platform is fucking staggering and it's only getting worse. I tried to tell a young black man, man about my son's age the other day that I thought he was brilliant and I was thankful for him sharing a generation with my kids and I could not do it. He is a blue check mark, and I was scared of the mob. I was terrified that I would say something that would be construed as microaggression. That is how jacked up our society has become. Race relations have been ruined for generations by SJW leftists, white liberal women, and academia. It makes me incredibly sad. I grew up a minority in my peer group, and while society still had a long time to go, we were all on equal footing. Nobody believed that anyone was inherently evil and had to learn to overcome that. We believe you were good, and if your actions proved that wrong, you were out. I grew up in a home where my friend's parents actually lived under Jim Crow. Certainly their grandparents did. I never, ever had to search for strong black voices. I had an absolute pleasure and privilege of being surrounded by them during my formative years. These amazing people nurtured me, educated me, and loved me. They never looked at me suspiciously or thought I was anyone other than who I presented. They didn't need me to check my privilege or hold their voices up. That would have been insulting. I thank God every day I live in my generation. I still retain those friends. I have laughed and grieved with them, and I am better for it. I have lived all over the country and the world, and I have been blessed with the knowledge that most people are good. I thank God I taught my children that race is no more significant than eye color and didn't get swept up in that white fragility bullshit. Those kind of theories don't make it more likely that races will mingle and learn. It makes it less likely. Maybe that's the end game. I've seen people lose their whole lives on social media for a bad day or a sin they committed when they were 12, and I'm terrified. We're living around a bunch of social media robe spear, and I relish them when one of them gets canceled now and again in their own web, and that's not me. Despite my GOP designations, I am very much a classic liberal, and I'm not going to change for society. If it was just my metaphoric head on the chopping block, I wouldn't care. But we're living in a time that the sins of the family members are visited on spouses, kids, etc. My son graduates next year. He goes into STEM in a field where academia continued to be important. My husband is fighting his do- finishing his doctorate in education. My kind is not accepted in academia. And I very much fear my social media opinion will hamper both of them. The pervasive toxic culture on Twitter has carried over to real life. And that scares me too. I've never, I'm never political on Facebook, but I got rid of that too. I saw people I've known and have known each other for four years, 
for years tear each other apart for fucking politics. What the hell are we doing this for? I ask that of myself every time I come on this platform now. I spend more time deactivating than I actually do on Twitter. I used to come and joke, meet people, have some rigorous debate. Now, every day is outrage, anger, and fear. There is no longer disagreement because people think differently and have different experiences. Politics has become a cult in which people are so damn sure of the superiority and the evilness of their opposition that it's okay if that person loses everything short of their life. Every bloodbath in human history has started the way social media and politics is going. And I don't want to be in the public square either in the mob or on the guillotine. I reject both fascism and communism. The boot in your mouth from either taste the same. I am who I am, and many of you know my heart. I helped many of you personally and had many of you help me. Twitter once connected humans and made the world smaller. Now it balkanizes and makes human hate someone for a few words or a difference of opinion. And I'm done being on its roller coaster. I still have my email for those of you who haven't. I'll probably return to Facebook when some of this dies down. It's my connection to friends and I have all over the world, and so I need it right now. I have a parlor account, blah, 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 blah. I mainly open it. Blah, blah, blah. I'm now leaving it open to connect to some of you who I have shared personal info with but would still like to joke and talk. I have zero desire to turn into another Twitter. I know it makes me sound like a drama queen, but America isn't long for this world. Our society is employing floating for the first time in four years living in the middle east i'm actually glad to be here instead of the usa that scares the crap out of me thank you for accepting me and laughing with me and thank you for keeping boredom at bay when it's 114 degrees and i don't want to go outside i will miss you dearly be well blessing angie that was her screed and it's so true we are imploding. I mean, just the simple things. Does social media that make politics divide worse? According to a recent survey, 71% of the respondents of social media companies, such as Facebook, have an obligation to fact-check political ads. The result of the study, which were conducted literally a month of science, also found 73% of U.S. adults would like to see social media ban all political ads on its platform. A nation divided by social media. How are you dealing with the dissenting opinions in your news feed and within your circle of friends and family? Why does that article even matter? Why, why should that affect your family? An ever-growing global mental health problem. Social media. Rolling stones. Are teens replacing drugs with social media? Fewer teenagers are using drugs and alcohol than ever before because their vice is screen time. And then the article I will do. 25 social media addiction statistics every tech enthusiast must know. Fascinating social media addiction statistics. Internet and social media addiction affects 210 million people worldwide. Social media addiction effects include sleep disruption among 4 and 10 adults in the U.S. Think about that. I had a lady that I follow, I can't remember her name off the top of my head on Twitter, and she was talking about it, and I told her what I've started to do, that we shut off the news, we don't watch anything from 7 to 9 but brainless TV, happy days, Laverne and Shirley, shit like that, no social interaction, no uh, SJW over fucking lords in the show, it's just fucking a show, 
you giggle or you say, God, man, I can't believe, I don't remember this as a kid, is what she, usually what we say. She started doing it and she wrote, she tweeted back to me, my God, that worked. And she could go to sleep because if you stay connected to this shit all the time, it just, it's in your head. It just becomes all you think about, you know, for most of us is, is the mob going to come to our goddamn neighborhood? Um, 90% of young adults in the U S actively use social media. Generate generation Z uses two hours and 55 minutes a day. 50% of the people use social media while driving. 1 billion people use Instagram every month. Approximately two-thirds of adults in the U.S. have a Facebook account. Understanding social media. Before delving the latest social media addiction facts in 2019, we need to define the term social media. Often we use it to refer to web-based sites where people gather to socialize. However, not all online platforms allow users to interact and be called social media. Take forums, for example. People with common interests turn online forums to share or seek information. How many people use social media? 45% of the world's population is on social media. There are 7.7 billion people in the world. 3.5 billion active social media users in January 2019. That's astounding if you think about it. Considering some of the world doesn't even have electricity. 70% of internet users in the U.S. use social media. According to Smart Insight, only 70% of Internet users in the country are on social media. That figure is expected to increase. 90% of young adults in the U.S. actively use social media. 35% of Americans age 65 and over use social media. What country has the most active social media environment? Mobile-first connectivity in Asia nations is driving social media activity. About 2.71 billion own phones. It's like I saw in 2000 and went to Korea. We didn't have cell phones like Korea did. Everybody had cell phones. They couldn't afford computers, so their phone was their computer. And they had phones that were fancy. And we, we didn't... I mean, in 2000, I had a flip phone. One of those bumblebees from Verizon. UAE has the most active social media environments with 99% of internet users visiting social media. Taiwan has the second highest. Excessive social media use can hurt relationship. In a new survey of Facebook users, research found that the frequent monitoring of one's romantic partner and social media causes misunderstandings and jealousy. When people pay more attention to their social networks than their partner, it becomes challenging to build or enhance a relationship. One in three divorces is called by, caused by a social media disagreement. 50% of drivers use a smartphone to bow, browse social media as they're driving. On average, distracted driving kills or injures thousands of people. 43% of teens feel bad when they only get a few likes on social media. And I talked about this quite often on the show. It does affect you, even if you're an adult. Like, you put a screed up or you put something up and nobody likes it. And you're like, God damn. Or even my podcast. When I only see about 50 or 60 people do it, it's like, oh, man, I, I suck. I, I don't get out there. And then I think about not doing it anymore. And then I realize I'm a 50-something-year-old man. Why I'm acting like a 12-year-old? Or Matt in Oregon goes, stop being a pussy. What the hell? I mean, it's the social media addict. I mean, it's in us. We want likes. The moment this, 
you went viral started, people started, oh, I want to go viral. And that's why we have all these videos, even of people shooting people, they go up on social media, and they don't even think, why would I do this if I want to kill somebody? Social media negatively impacts the sleep of 4 in 10 young adults. Teenage addiction to social media might be responsible for sleep deprivation. According to a 2017 CBS survey, 4 in 10 young adults in the U.S. claim they have social media negative impacts. It represents 41% of the age group. 35% of U.S. teenagers with low social emotional well-being have been bullied on social media. 70% of teens feel excluded when using social media. 71% of teens who use social media for more than five hours are more vulnerable to suicide. Really think about that for a second, because we're told we're all making transgender kids commit suicide, but there's no proof that transgender kids are actually committing suicide. There was a survey where they said they thought about using suicide, and I guarantee amongst most of those transgender kids, they all had social media, so was it really that they're transgender, or is it a variation of a whole bunch of shit, which is, I'm a kid, I think about suicide. That's why I always dog that stat. I'm not a homophobe or a transphobe. It's a bullshit science. It's not true. 18-a-day vets. That's all i got to say to counter-checkmate all that stupidity. 34% of young adults experience fear of missing out when not on social media. I've thought about that. When there was a convention or something and I wasn't on my phone because we went to a movie, I've sat in there and gone, man, I'm missing something on Twitter. 22% of older U.S. adults experience fear of missing out. So I'm part of that 22%. Social media addiction statistics in 2019. 210 million people worldwide suffer from social media and internet addiction. 29% of 18 to 24-year-old Americans admitted to social media addiction in 2017. North Americans spend on average two hours and four minutes on social media every day. That's fucking insane. Now, granted, when you do a statistic like this, there's people that are spending all day on social media. So, you you know, it totally inflates it for people like you and me that... We're checking your Facebook feed maybe two or three times a day because you're bored. Generation Z spends an average two hours and 55 minutes on social media. Baby boomers, of course, do the least amount. 68% of U.S. adults now have a Facebook account. Instagram's got a billion users. YouTube has two billion users. Snapchat has 210 million daily active users. And Twitter has 330 million daily active users a day. In conclusion, social media has certainly made our lives more convenient to some extent. However, we shouldn't ignore the negative consequences that come with it. This is important. Frequent social network usage leads to harmful effects on the mental and physical well-being of its users. Bottom line, based on the latest social media addiction statistics, everyone needs to unplug from social media every now and then. It's a necessary action to take in this ever-connected world, one that can help us live fuller lives. My thoughts before we move on, and I know I condense this down to a short section. 
I think, you know, it's great to catch up with people, but if you notice, like I said about my Facebook rant, you don't, because your lives don't intermingle anymore, so you may say hello to each other every once in a while, but that's about it. Anybody, if you're my age and you connected with somebody from high school, was a short, hey, how you doing, how's your life, fuck off. So for the connection to people, yeah, there's a positive with it. Sharing your kids, your grandkids, that's a positive. But from my perspective, seriously, all it's done is pushed more fake. I mean, we talk about fake news at nauseam in our media. That's all they ever talk about, how this is fake and that's fake. It's all fake, 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 fake. Well, here's the deal. Majority of every viral video that's come out lately has been fake. It's all fake. It's not the full story. And with millions of people filming stuff every day, all we do is go into faux outrage. It's all faux. With take the video out of it, all Twitter does is bring up false outrage. Everybody's always angry. Everybody gets excited about the dumbest things. And then two days later, it goes away. There used to be a website I used to use on the show, which was two days ago news. And it was, it was hysterical or two weeks ago news. I'm sorry. I think that's what it was. I lost the link. It was really awesome because you'd go to it and two weeks ago, we'd be talking about stupid shit. Everybody was up in arms. Twitter was running fucking Twitter moments. The world is in tatters. But then tomorrow, everybody forgets. I mean, this St. Louis story that I covered, it's already dropped. The media checked the water. Sure, the mob in the street were pissed off, but the rest of us are like, yeah, come to my yard and see what happens. You fucking break down my gate, I'm shooting. I'm not going to just point a gun. There will be shots in the air, warning shots. Leave my property. Because I'm in a castle doctrine state too. I'll shoot you. Because I'm not, I, me and my wife have gone through this the whole time we've been married. I will be judged by 12, I will not be carried by 6, and I will not let somebody beat my wife just because she's white. And I'm not saying that racially, because the majority of the instigators are white, chai latte drinking, skinny jean wearing, prog men. They're the worst. Saw a guy in a store yesterday, weighed about 4 pounds, wearing a fucking anifa bandana thinking he's a badass it's it's a superman suit but i'm not going to be killed i'm just not in our current media environment as i segue out they take whatever outrages on twitter and they make it real and for about two seconds this was a real story until the full video came out and it's detroit a cop Getting surrounded by a mob. But the media only put out on Twitter the mob's video. Once the full video came out, these cops were quite reserved on what most of us would have done.
a decision to redirect uh, the protesters to a more expedient route back to their start location. Uh, right at that point, there was a lot of resistance. Uh, the agitation turned into anger, and a couple of police, off, uh, police cars were parked in such a way to block the main road that they wanted to go down. As that happened, uh, very quickly, anywhere between, we estimate, 25 to 30 uh, protesters surrounded two of our police vehicles, two marked police vehicles. And as they did that, that's when what I described, the agitation escalated into violence behavior. Uh, in fact, um, uh, at different points uh, in the video, you will hear what appears to be loud banging noises on the outside of the police vehicle. We're not sure if objects were being thrown or some of the signs that we're carrying, they were using uh, the holder uh, to damage and uh, hit the police car. Uh, we also know that as this thing began to continue to escalate uh, on one police car for certain, there was an effort to block the pathway uh, of, the, of the police car. In fact, several uh, members from the protest group of this 25 to 30 who were exhibiting uh, uh, violent behavior jumped on the hood of the car. And, and you can see in the one video that was in social media that the police car was slowly moving trying to get through, and it wasn't until that same police car, uh, someone broke out the rear window. We're not certain in our investigation if it was a skateboard, although there's reports of a skateboard being used, uh, but it took out the entire back window, and during our investigation, the officers reported that once they heard the back window, or rear window smash, it was very loud, they was not certain that they were not being fired upon. So it was important for them to get out of there uh, for their safety and certainly the safety of others. So that's where you see in the video that they uh, accelerated uh, to get out of there. In the now this is on the heels of NPR talking about all the people ramming and they did the Louisville and that dropped and then they fucking had to pull back a video from Charlottesville because that's what they all go with now. I mean, Charlottesville is the epicenter of white supremacy. So the Washington Post... How did they cover it? He just floored it. Detroit police SUV plows through a group of protesters, flings people who climbed on the hood. In a news conference Monday, Detroit Police Chief James Craig defended the officer's action, saying the cops did the right thing. Craig said that a rear window had been busted out, and officers received reports of several protesters who were armed with hammers. The details around those reports remain unclear, because we're with the mob. Photos sent by the Detroit Police Department... To WAPO show the SUV involved in the incident with windows busted out as well as dents and scratches. The incident came at the end of another day of peaceful protests in Detroit, which have gone on for weeks. Peaceful protest. Drew Holden. Perhaps this is controversial, but maybe don't climb on the hood of a cop car. The idea that protesting involves attacking police vehicles and smashing out their windows is absurd. Those vehicles contain weapons and every officer would be rightfully concerned because we don't want to give it up. He just floored it, as would anyone else. And then the tide's starting to turn, because most of these are not conservatives. Good. When you come at me with a deadly weapon, I will do whatever necessary to protect myself and my family. And if the only weapon I have is my car, I'll try to ease through, but the first crack of glass, and I'm going over whoever. 
So while the police, while they say the police are bad, they trust them enough to climb on the hood of the car and expect the police not to hurt them. All of this aggression shown towards the police shows that the demonstrators believe that the police won't hurt them back. And boom! That is the greatest thing I've ever seen somebody write. That is the greatest thing. The dash cam shows it's bullshit. And what the media won't play, especially WAPO, here's a mother having the same thing happen. The first tape is from a small town, Fredericksburg, Virginia. It's a 911 call recorded earlier this month. A woman called Tara Durant took her young daughter on errands downtown. As the two tried to drive home, a mob surrounded their vehicle and blocked it from moving. Several people jumped on Durant's car and screamed obscenities at her child. Terrified, Tara Durant called 911. And here's the response she got. They're, they're on my car, right? They're on my car right now. But we would suggest you slowly drive through the area. Don't hit anyone with your vehicle. I can't. I people. cannot get out of here, okay? Be patient. I'll, I'll let the officers know, okay? Are, are you serious? The, the you city guys told us cannot... that we can't do anything, ma'am. The city told us that this is a sanctioned event. You know, this is going to get dangerous. I got to change here. Yes, ma'am. We would suggest that you call up City Hall to let them know about your frustrations. Yes, ma'am. Why? This is getting scary. I saw a dog on my car. They're on my car. And I got a little girl in the car crying. Are you kidding me? They're on my car. They're on my car. Ma'am comes the reply. We would suggest those are verbatim quotes. It's hard to listen to that tape without feeling emotional. A woman and her child were terrorized by a violent mob, and then they were intentionally abandoned by the state that has promised to protect them. It was the ultimate betrayal of citizenship. You should know that the mayor of Fredericksburg, Virginia, a woman called Mary Catherine Greenlaw, later apologized. But Greenlaw did not apologize to Tara Durant or her young daughter. The mayor apologized to the mob. Police had tried to disperse them while they were rioting. Quote, I am personally sorry, Mayor Greenlaw slobbered. I want to apologize to those who went through this fearful experience. Again, to be crystal clear, Mayor Greenlaw said that to the rioters, not to the citizens she had cruelly abandoned. All of that happened in a little town of 25,000 people. It's happening in so many American towns right now. That was some great 911-inch, wasn't it? Call City Hall. But the only person to play it is Tucker. Then there's this one that was all over Twitter. And this is a private citizen. And they ran motherfuckers over. That the media are for this and still want to do the the peaceful protester. Are you fucking stoned? Seriously. And then, and then we go to Chicago, where the media is silent. Chicago, 329 people murdered, 1,676 people shot year to date, a 34% increase in murders, a 45 increase in shootings. They've recovered 4,600 guns. And have made more than 2,200 gun arrests, up 20%. 
At least 52 people shot over the weekend, 14 in gun violence, a one-year-old boy and a 10-year-old girl. And this was caught on live. This was this was caught by somebody live during the middle of the day. Shit, I can't get It's just silent. You see a guy walk up to a car and just shoot somebody. Broad daylight. Nobody. Nobody. But we have all over the place. Just violence. It's everywhere. Here's another Chicago story. Lori Battle, 19, reportedly opened fire on Justine Francis, 17, Charles Riley, 16, in a back alley at 5 p.m. on June 20th after a friend walked away from buying candy at a store. Catch and fail release. Protesters in a park in Kentucky ran for cover. Shots were fired during a demonstration over the death of Breon Taylor. One person was killed, another injured the shooting, which took place in Louisville on Saturday. The suspect behind Saturday's fatal shooting in Louisville has been arrested. Lopez had previously attended protests at the park and been arrested twice for rioting. But they are doing the New York. We're just going to release people. Just release them. NBC Washington, a suspect arrested the shooting death of a man during Louisville protests over police killing of Breonna Taylor has taken part in demonstration but was disruptive and had been asked by others to leave. Twitter moment, demonstrators set up a memorial and held a vigil for 27-year-old photographer Tyler Girth who was killed in a shooting in downtown Louisville on Saturday. Police have charged a suspect. Lopez was wounded in the leg by gunfire from a bystander at the park who were defending themselves. The arrested citation said he had been charged with murder and wanton endangerment. The reality is nobody in the media would talk about that it was a armed citizen that took him down. Then uh, Johnson from Tulsa and Zarkeesian was shot in the head in critical condition. Johnson has succumbed. So they capture this person, and he is a winner, winner, chicken dinner, BLM anarchist. Detroit. Police officer dies after being shot in the head and fighting for his life. He was a proud man of three. His life mattered, and he was black. Breaking 911. Witness said police officer shot unarmed man in the back. Then the cops release the body cam video. Brooke Binkenhoe, given how law enforcement has utterly jettisoned public trust this past month, you're going to have to do better than this before any of us buy it. You killed that man. You killed that man. Two San Diego Police Department officers have been placed on paid lead after they shot and wounded a robbery suspect who pointed a gun at one of the officers during the confrontation. The suspect, Hurtado Abaro, 25, of San Diego, suffered life-threatening injuries. He was hospitalized in an intensive care unit. So they release the vi- the video, which I'm about to play, almost as if witness statements are 99% of the time garbage. Then they show the gun the guy had. He looked like he was in fucking Wyatt Earp's gang. I mean, fuck, it's a fucking six-shooter. It, it's just fucking horrible. But here's the body cam. He pointed a gun. Hey, man, let me talk to you for a second. Stop. 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 Hey, hand. Thank you. 
Hey, come here, buddy. Stop. Stop. Jacob, please stop. Stop. Hey, let's your hand. Seven, come back. No officers injured. Start 1141. These are the people that we're fucking saying deserve better from our police force. But they're all fucking hoods, man. I'm, I'm going to play a montage. A guy fucking with the police gets pepper sprayed. A black man beating white one unconscious and keeps beating him. BLM in a nutshell. A guy who fucking young kid who literally got arrested again for killing. Um, I'm not voting Dems. A guy from Seattle that they talked to after Chaz was taken down. Another Chaz shooting that's all lies, and then they find out afterwards it was black-on-black crime, and it's all bullshit, and an unhinged protester just screaming. These are the people we're all supposed to, like NBC says, these are the people that America, not you and me, you're fucking white supremacist white people. You suck. Arrest! I'm dead! Arrest! I'm right here! Say Harmon put a gun to a woman's head and stole her wallet. Stephanie King defends him. I still love him today, today, and today. I will keep loving him. Yeah. Because to me, he ain't do no wrong. He just shot a cop.
Rolling Stones. Okay. Do you have a business or you live here? I own property here. Mm-hmm. Rather not get into it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get killed by these Antifa people. Right. What's the feeling this morning? You know, I just uh, I just have to tell you that being a longtime resident here, owner, uh, and very understanding of the political message that was trying to be conveyed, uh, this whole situation has just been totally out of hand. Uh, the disconnect between the mayor and the city leaders and the residents and the businesses has just been terrible. Uh I don't understand why there isn't any communication. I mean, we were left in the dark. We did, from one day to the next, we didn't know what was going on. Just poor, poor leadership. And I'm just incredibly discouraged that residents and businesses here, you know, people that have lived here and we paid taxes forever and everything continues to cost more, yet there's no leadership, there's no communication. And, and that was just incredibly dejecting. I mean, discouraging. What's the, what's the experience been like with what we had here over the past two It's years? been terrible. It's been loud at night. Uh, during the day, these people seem to be relatively calm. But <clears throat> I've been down here almost every day, and I've seen a lot of weird stuff, a lot of assault weapons, a lot of anger, a lot of drugs and drinking. Um, so it, it hasn't been a very positive thing. I mean, the message was kind of lost weeks ago. So we just had basically a homeless encampment here and uh, people with no direction. It just was tough to see and kids getting shot, kids getting killed. Um, Total mayhem. And like I said, where is the leadership? Where is the city leadership? Did it feel like you guys that work and live in this area being held hostage? Basically, Definitely, most certainly, most certainly. And uh, I just think it's unfair. It was totally unfair. And a lot of people don't want to talk. A lot of people are worried and scared, and uh, they don't want to express their opinion because they're worried about retribution. And I don't blame them. Um, Stand square! Slash his throat! Every fucking Republican! Suck my fucking balls! Say that one more time. Slash Republican throat! Slash Slash his throat! But none of that gets aired. We're not airing the, you know, and once again, I'm not trying to incite racial division. All we hear is white person did this, white person did this, white person did this. Yet there's thousands of videos of mobs of black people beating black people, let alone white people. And all the violence they're doing. They run the story out negatively and then they just drop it when they find out the facts because we're not journalists. We're just doing clickbait and trying to keep the division going for Biden. And it spills over to the most benign things. Jeffrey Ingersoll, Bethy Rothstein passed away among family Sunday evening. Words cannot express the debt of gratitude. I owe the Almighty for giving me that little time I had with her friends in college. Tucker Carlson himself wrote a memorial piece. Olivia Newsy, Caitlin Collins, all, what a great person. But she worked at Daily Caller for a while. Nathan McDermott. I didn't know Betsy Rothstein and only read her occasionally. And I'm sad that she passed away, but there's clearly a divide in values political journalists hold when almost everybody mourning her online is a white reporter 
who covers D.C. I'll just read one reply, because you could, you know the replies. I am mourning Betsy, and I'm black. She was a conservative for sure, but she was a deep human being, authentically herself, and I'll miss her. Ryan Savandra. CNN reporter appears to suggest that a reporter just passed away was a racist because, according to him, almost everybody is white who's mourning her. That's our media. They want this division. And in the shooting for Chas, our media carries it. A man was killed, a 14-year-old boy critically injured in shooting a Seattle chop. Thousands of people have occupied the area since June demanding police reform. That's all they covered because I don't think they knew the story was wrong. Multiple camera angers capture audio of shooting a Chaz on Sunday. You can hear a paranoid militant freaking out followed by the sound of a vehicle. Multiple shots before a loud crash. Deepest condolences for social alternative and my council office to the family and friends and fellow activists of the community members who was tragically killed in a drive-by shooting at Capitol. While we await details of this tragic killing, it highlights capitalism's brutality and endemic violence. Our movement rejects insinuations and falsehood perpetuated by corporate and conservative media. This violence is an outcome of CHOP or our movement. Now the mayor is trying to get her gone. Because she's no longer a city councilman. That lady is part of the movement. But the mayor was too until they showed up on our fucking lawn. Other crime. New York City parolee beat and raped a white woman with an inch of her life because blacks were slaves. He allegedly struck her in the face several times and raped her. And after the rape, he beat and kicked her more. There'll be no riot or political rallies for this young woman who was beaten within an inch of her life by a parolee who attacked her because she's white. 23-year-old Tamir Bishop is a Bronx parolee who stands accused of brutally beating and raping a 20-year-old white woman. He told a friend the woman deserved it because minorities had to go through slavery, according to a court document. The racist man met his victim at a rooftop party at an apartment complex. That don't make the news. Child sexually assaulted in Minnesota Park where neighbors swore off calling the police. One teen killed, one injured after fourth shooting in CHOP. That's a different one than the one we talked about. Atlanta detectives, because the media has dropped this story, because they knew it was bullshit. Side with officers in defense filing for Rashawn Brook case saying Brooks would have been charged on 10 counts. DUI, felony obstruction, aggravated assault on a police officer, battery against a police officer, theft by taking, removal of a weapon, robbery, and a bunch more. But what did our media do? Oh, we, we didn't cover it. Why, why, why would we cover that? Seriously, why, why would we fucking cover that? It, it it makes no goddamn sense to cover that. It doesn't fit the fucking narrative. So we're going to end this section with a couple sound bites. Um, I think uh, first there's been a hundred arrests, which is fucking fantastic. A black pastor on we need to deal with black on black crime, and Fox Business Charles Payne. He's black. Talking about what conservatives have to do. And then we'll come in to woke.
And then there's the problem of death. If we're going, if we're going archaeologically, the argument got to hold up on both sides. All the killing in our community ain't coming from white people. Come on, say amen if you can. We are killing one another. Our old people are scared to get out at night in their own community. They're not scared of white people. They're scared of young black boys on the street. Amen. No, 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 no. All the killing that's going on ain't going on in River Oaks. It's going on in South Union. In Third War. On Cullen and Martin Luther King. Every street that's named after Martin Luther King across America is riddled with crime and death in the name of a man who stood for nonviolence. The church has got to accept some responsibility because we in here singing and shouting on Sunday morning. Let's get out here and go tell that young black boy and that young black girl, we're going to teach you how to love yourself more than somebody taught you how to hate yourself. Pull your pants up. Take your nasty pajamas off when you get up in the morning to go outside. Wish I had somebody to help like you got good sense. Talk like somebody's raising you. A whole lot of our problems are self-inflicted. White people ain't breaking in my house. I wish I had a witness here. Guys, Rob Scott, do me a favor, stay right there because the other big market story of today is Facebook. Uh, the ad boycott is actually picking up steam. Unilever has joined Verizon. These are two large advertisers that are dissing the social media giant for now. Uh, and they've joined some other high-profile brands, smaller names but still impactful, Ben & Jerry's, Patagonia, REI, The North Face, just to name some. Uh, all of them pulling Facebook ads uh, for a lack of progress in policing hate speech. Now, these businesses taking their cue from the Anti-Defamation League, the NAACP, which, by the way, last week they both called for a boycott. So, obviously, this is the ultimate form of corporate activism. I think it comes with a lot of risk. And for more, I want to bring in District Media President Beverly Hallberg. Beverly, you know, if you're going to take these sort of steps, you better make sure that your house is, uh, is pretty clean as well. And it is a huge risk. You mentioned that there is an increase in companies wanting to boycott Facebook. But when you look at the numbers, while there are about 900 businesses that have decided to move forward with that, Facebook works with about 7 million businesses who advertise who have not decided to take that position. And even Mark Zuckerberg earlier this week had a meeting on Tuesday with advertisers. He said, look, what one company considers egregious or what one person considers egregious, someone else may not. When we're talking about hate speech, this is a very 
very broad term and in a very polarized environment that we have in this country, I think for businesses, it's actually wiser to to wait. I think a lot of businesses, and I talked to some CEOs this week, they said, look, we don't want to wade into these waters. We know we treat our staff with respect, and we don't have a product that directly relates to something like defunding the police. So why would we wade into this? So I think Facebook is actually taking a smart move. They're getting hit a bit right now in the news coverage, but I think in the long term, this pays off. But here's the problem, right? Uh, you, you talked about uh, perception of what's uh, hate speech or not. Uh, I just saw a piece a couple of days ago where one of the Facebook moderators says if someone's wearing a MAGA hat, if someone's wearing a MAGA hat, they consider that to be hate speech and they're going to delete them. So they're getting into really treacherous territory if they consider that hate speech, but they can't uh, make, you know, be clear on so many things that are obvious hate speech. Absolutely. And look, Twitter has taken a completely different perspective on this. Twitter has decided to fact check the president of the United States, even on something such as absentee voting. Um, Facebook has taken a different approach. I think it will pay off for them. Something you mentioned earlier is there's going to be a new site or there is a new site called Parler, which is trying to compete with Twitter. So Twitter may lose a lot of followers, especially if President Trump decides to use Parler instead of Twitter. Facebook is, is playing the long game with this. And I also think it's a very slippery slope when companies think that they should be the arbiters of truth, especially since so many of the facts these days in terms like hate speech seem to be very relative terms. Right. All right, so we know REI, Ben & Jerry's, those are extraordinarily left-leaning companies. I wouldn't be surprised to see Levi Strauss and those kind of names join the list. But a Unilever and a Verizon, uh, could that put pressure on blue-chip companies to follow their lead, at least temporarily? I think it does usher the way for people to feel pressure by the mob. There is this mob mentality right now where people feel like they have to say something. But here's what I wonder is how large is a silent majority out there who looks at the issues of the day and realize there's a lot of complexity, there's a lot of nuance, where they may say, look, we need to focus on black lives being important, but I don't want to align myself with a political organization called Black Lives Matter. So I think that there's a lot of nuance, and I think there are going to be customers out there who say, look, I'm not going to go with Verizon anymore. I'm not going to go and buy the North Face anymore because I disagree with them inserting wow. politics into everything in life. So I think these companies are taking a gamble and we'll have to wait and see. Hello, everyone. Law and order are the building blocks to the American dream. But if anarchy prevails, this dream comes, crum comes crumbling down. Anarchy in our streets is unacceptable, and anger is not enough. You have a president committed to action. The DOJ has arrested over 100 anarchists for rioting and destruction of federal property. The DOJ has also charged four men in federal court for attempting to tear down the statue of Andrew Jackson in Lafayette Square. Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reid. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Turn it up, turn it on. Rock it like we bad to the bone, get on the floor, run it loose. Let's get a walk. 
this was a very important uh, moment for him choosing the integrity of the court over his personal ideology. You know, uh, Jessica made that point that he has always voted for abortion regulations. Uh, those kinds of instincts go all the way back to his time with the Ronald Reagan administration. But here at this moment with a Trump administration, uh, uh, an election year, it was important for him to say, Four years ago, we struck down identical abortion restrictions, and there was no going back. Now, I think at a different time, in a different era, with him not being the swing vote justice, he might not have voted this way, but this is a very big stand. He took for uh, some sort of stability in the law, public expectations, and the integrity of the court and his personal legacy over his old personal ideology that has been very conservative, especially on social issues. Yeah, and Joan, that is why this, the Roberts aspect of this is so fascinating. Because if people are sitting here thinking and wondering, are we looking at the tr a transformation of an evolution, if you will, of the Chief Justice? Do you think that's what people are seeing? Is it something else? I think you're seeing him rising to a particular occasion here. Again, with the Trump administration, this election year. And I think you have to step back and look at the three rulings in the past two weeks. I think he's recognizing the platform he has at a time when this nation is so polarized. Uh, no one should be confused about what Chief Justice Roberts does with certain other precedents. He has voted against uh, rulings from the 70s and 80s that were and, and earlier that were very important in this country. And, but what he's done now is said that there's a line he's not going to cross. And it's very important in the constitutionality of a woman's right to end a pregnancy. And that was a line that he had never crossed before. So, you know, Roberts cares a great deal about the court appearing to operate outside of politics. And I think for the court to change course, basically to take a look at the exact same law that it struck down four years ago, but here a differently constituted Supreme Court to uphold that law would just be to send the message that basically the court is no more than politicians in robes. And frankly, Planned Parenthood has called this uh, the election that is a life or death one when it comes to this issue. Uh, of course, they have cited in their endorsement with Joe Biden coming up. But, George, the polling on this has been pretty consistent. Sixty one percent say abortion should be legal in all or most cases. So the Supreme Court approved the Texas one. Then John Roberts, who wants to be more down with liberals, sides with the liberals to strike down a similar law. And make sure you understand, this wasn't limiting abortion. This was making abortion safer. You have to have a gurney to go down a hall. Uh, you have to have many privileges in case it goes wrong. Because, you know, once again, it's a vacuum cleaner going in there with razor blades and sucking out people's cervixes. So the media was static. Roberts is now a great Supreme Court justice. You know how it goes. I'm going to read a life site news, and then I'm going to drop it because it just angers me. Uh, today's ruling shows that John Roberts issued decisions based on politics, which is not appropriate way to rule on cases that come to the Supreme Court. It's what turning out to be a devastating term of social conservatives. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled in a 5-4 decision to overturn a Louisville, a Louisiana law, sorry, requiring abortionists to have admitting privileges at a hospital. 
John Roberts, who's frequently voted pro-life in the past, joined the liberals in the decision to analyze the ruling. We have Michael Liu. What does this ruling mean for pro-life? Today's ruling is certainly a disappointment and a setback for pro-lifers. It's very troubling the Supreme Court decided to strike down a common-sense abortion facility regulation enacted by Louisiana. Since the Supreme Court struck down a set of clinic regulations enacted in Texas in Whole Woman Health versus Helderton, this is the second time in four years abortion facility regulations have been struck down. The U.S. Supreme Court, that said, pro-lifers should not despair. According to Guttemeyer Institute, over 400 state-level pro-life laws have been enacted in 2010. The Supreme Court will likely decide to hear the constitutionality of some of these laws. It is certainly possible that there might be five votes on the U.S. Supreme Court to uphold some of these laws. Since the late 80s, the number of organizations devoted to pregnancy, pregnant women has increased by over 80%. Pro-lifers have made some durable long-term gains. Most importantly, the Supreme Court, the U.S. abortion rate has declined by 50%. What does this mean for Roe v. Wade? To be honest, I do not think this decision tells us much about the long-term future of Roe v. Wade. This particular case was not intended to present a correct challenge to it. It was just a regulation. Do you think this ruling damages the legal standing of the pro-life movement? I don't. In fact, I think these reasonable cases could be made for continuing with same legislative political strategy. Today's decision, Justice Gorsuch and Kavanaugh voted to uphold the Louisville Clinic regulation. In 16, Roberts voted to uphold the Texas Clinic regulation. As such, there could be five votes in the U.S. Supreme Court to uphold future laws. That said, I do think that pro-life groups and pro-life leaders will start more serious considering alternative legislation and political approaches. Since the early 80s, Beltway pro-life groups have engaged a rough consensus about how to proceed. At the federal level, we push for defunding abortion, incremental laws that can help shape public opinion. The thing is, and I'm not going to read the rest of it, well, I'll read Ryan T. Anderson. Unreal. Roberts just voted with the four liberals on an abortion case because of the stereotypes. The president, the president he's upholding is for a case just four years ago that he dissented on. If he thought the court got it wrong four years ago, today was his chance to correct it. And simultaneously, Planned Parenthood leaders admit again it's a body harvesting. Another case where they had to, under oath, say that the sting by Project Veritas was real. It was real. But, you know, once again, the trend for abortion is going in the favor of pro-life. Do I think it was wise to do the uh, Alabama ban? No. Tennessee just did a heartbeat bill. They'll probably get struck down. But the facts are on our side. If you're saying a clump of cells isn't a baby, then why are you harvesting baby parts? That's a lot of people said on Twitter, and it's true. I think what the pro-life movement needs to do is just continue the way they are. And I do think legislatures should continue to make them medical facilities. What they should challenge is the liberal laws. We put out these laws and let people fucking challenge them. Challenge the liberal laws. Challenge Virginia, live birth abortion. Challenge uh, Virginia, New York, New Jersey have done laws that anybody can be an abortion provider. 
That's what you challenge. You don't let them challenge you. We'll never get a revocation of Roe v. Wade. But once again, I think what we need to do as conservative, and if you're a pro-lifer like me, I do not believe in a ban on abortion. I believe there should be restrictions. You can't have an abortion after the second trimester. Simple. No federal money can go to it. They should be medical facilities to take care of the woman who's getting this horrible procedure done to her that's very dangerous. And we should get the Senate and House and in four more years get Biden out of the fucking White House because you already know, I know, I just feel Trump's going to lose. And we defund Planned Parenthood. That's how you fix this. There is no way in hell our country as a whole believes Planned Parenthood deserves 650 fucking $1 million or $55 million every year when they do a million abortions chemically and mechanically. And you go on the circuit, and if you're conservative, that's what you talk about. Because the American people don't get that. They have sterilized the opinion of the American people on what Planned Parenthood is. Even my adult daughter who follows whatever Facebook tells her to think, she had no idea they don't provide fucking prenatal care. She had no idea because it's sterilized. So you get it. I don't care if the subject's that or not. If I was a senator, a conservative fucking congressman, I would literally just go, and, and you know, for the record, Planned Parenthood doesn't do prenatal, and they don't do mammograms. They're an abortion clinic. The majority of their money, regardless of how they sit and put it out that, oh, they, they do more of this. That's true. But the money comes from abortion. That's how they make $1.5 billion a year. Or is it a trillion? It's a shitload. Because I haven't seen this year yet. That was 2018. We ain't got 2019 yet. So BET happened, uh, they did a Karen stitch, and then of course they bought Beyonce in to literally, um, um, say their, her life's in danger. So you need to support BLM because she's in danger. A billionaire who's surrounded by fucking security. And then we're just gonna knock out the next thing so we can just go into the fun shit. Uh, on the woke. The Shy season three declared the gayest ever. Stars drama. Fuck Trump. The new, uh, Twilight Zone. White men are bad. And then there's the, uh, Ellen DeGeneres, which I haven't listened to. So let's listen to it together. I was just trying to swim with my dog and then security asked me to leave. And I said, Apparently, this building cares more about safety than its residents. That must have been devastating. But your dog's in therapy. That reminds me of when I was at the airport waiting to board. I was drinking my latte, too much foam, it's fine. And I was standing behind a young African-American woman with those cord things in her hair. I think they're called braves. Well, anyways, I said, excuse me, I think they're just bored in first class right now. And she whipped around and said, don't assume just because I'm black that I don't belong in first class. You would never. I don't even see color. Van Jones is my hall pass. And then she said, you don't need to mind your own business. You don't work for the airline. For your sapphire status. You were being helpful. Yeah, and they're the ones who work at the airport. And you know what? She was right. I did need to mind my own business. Aha! 
you're all Karen, and you need to stop torturing black folks with your fragility. You're not one of us. She's a black. How did oh. she do that with her hair? That's right, and I know how all of y'all's kids got into college. Thank you so much for this beautiful honor. I want to dedicate this award to all of my brothers out there, all of my sisters out there inspiring me, marching and fighting for change. Your voices are being heard and you're proving to our ancestors that their struggles were not in vain. Now we have one more thing we need to do to walk in our true power, and that is to vote. I'm encouraging you to continue to take action, continue to change and dismantle a racist and unequal system. We have to continue to do this together, continue to fight for each other and lift each other up because there are people banking on us staying at home during local elections and primaries happening in states across the country. We have to vote like our life depends on it because it does. So please continue to be the change you want to see. Thank you, everyone, who took the time to speak in that beautiful presentation. And thank you, BET, for this honor. It means so much to me, especially coming from y'all. I love you deep. God bless you. And good night. I know you better than you know yourself. So I guess the real question is, what do you think you're going to do? I think I'm, I'm going to kick your ass back into yesterday. Oh, okay. You sound super confident about that. Look, are you sure you don't want to just give up right now? Have a little fun? I mean, this doesn't have to be a fight. Fuck you. I know, that's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> Look, I'm a man, okay? I know I'm not supposed to feel that, right? I'm certainly not supposed to say it. But the fact of the matter is, I am a man. Men dominate. That's what we do. We always have. Oh my gosh, I hope that doesn't trigger you or whatever, but... I guess we'll just be untriggered before you know it. So, yeah, I'm just going to start doing whatever the fuck I want, okay? Goddamn son of a bitch! Uh, coming here making my kids happy! Oh, talking God! Oh, what a laugh! He sits there with his son and the fucking Holy Ghost thinking he's better than me! Uh, uh, hey, Frank Murphy calling! Why'd you bring that fucker back to me? I demand an answer! Catching them? I'm going out more and bringing home list. What the fuck is that about? Global warming. Fuck Trump, am I right? Yeah, fuck him. He deregulated everything else. So why is the fishery service still getting on my ass? Well, someone's got to keep you honest. Oh, I got you. Oh, I got it. Suit yourself. You looking? For what? Me. Look, nigga, I ain't like that. Ain't like what? I ain't like you, okay? Do you know where you are? A bar. No. You're in a gay bar. Nigga, just because I'm in a gay bar don't mean I'm gay. No. Are you curious? No, nigga, and you need to get the fuck away from me talking all that shit. Yo, I'm so sick of trade. Wait, what you call me? I'm tired of you straight-ass niggas walking in here acting like your presence is a present. When it ain't. You think you're all of that with your muscle shirts and your snapbacks, but be the first to bend over grabbing your ankles and screaming my name at the top of your lungs. 
I love how liberals always say all this crazy fucking hateful shit and you're the fuck up and degenerous. If you don't think that way, well, then you're just wrong because you must think like us. Washington Post, climate change is a racial justice problem. I'm not even reading it. There's a middle, white Americans experience better air quality than the national average, even though their activities are source of most pollutants. It's just a regurgitation of the same stale bull crap that they just lie about. None of it's true. That's not true. We don't live in the fucking cross-the-track days of Jim Crow. But just keep lying to people, and and we're wrong. Then, then you have this. We have to have much-needed conversation about superheroes now. Alana Dockerman. I was going to read the whole article, but this is just so stupid. We're having a much-needed conversation about how Hollywood portrays cops. Now we got to talk about superheroes, who are basically cops with capes. Most of the blockbuster Marvel and DC comic movies skirt the issue of who should define justice for whom. Captain America, Batman, Donna Justice briefly float the idea of superheroes' oversight, but both devolve into quip-filled CGI fistfights. 
What's more, given that the creators and stars of these movies have historically been white, it's hardly surprising that so few reckon with the issues of systemic racism, let alone sexism, homophobia, transphobia, bigotry, ableism. Gee, shut the fuck up! Harry Catchetrain, madness, and you know it's like gravity. All it takes is a little purse push. He's so right. We're just feeding frenzy of fucking stupid and wokeness. I mean, before we get into our next article, which is some straight up fucking Marxism propaganda, we started our woke with abortions don't have to be safe. That's what the Supreme Court said. Now they have this concept of birthing pods. Vinieron a ofrecerse como voluntarios para ir a Malvinas. ¿Saben realmente qué está pasando allá o lo que puede pasar? Sí, sí, eso sabemos todo. Estamos informados de todo y tratamos de hacer lo que más podamos, con tal de ayudar al país. ¿Qué piensan que podrían hacer ustedes allá? Y bueno, primero tratamos de pasarnos en el frente, pero eso ya es para mayores de, o sea, de 19 para arriba. Y ahora tratamos de, o sea, en parte de reservistas administrativos y tratar de hacerlo lo que podamos. ¿Te lo dijiste a tus padres? Sí, 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 me brindaron todo el apoyo. ¿Vos también? También. ¿Vos también? También. ¿Cuánto tiempo se quedarían en Malvinas? Lo que sea necesario. I know it's in Spanish, but they're trying to develop a pod that you... Put the baby in and it incubates and everything and you just put the sperm in the egg. It's real. It's not some made up shit. They're, they're trying to make a pod so that nobody has to carry a baby to term. And simultaneously, we get this. Elijah Krauss, birthing person. I started to laugh and now I'm just appalled. My husband and none of you dudes have the parts to birth a baby. Suggestive, inclusive, sexual health language. Less gendered language. And gendered language. So, we say breastfeeding. Chest feeding. That's more inclusive. Chest feeding. Even though male breasts don't make milk. Fuck biology. Female reproductive organs. Internal reproductive organs. Because once again, gender's a construct. You ain't got a chachi and I got a dick. Those are just words we made up. Uterus, ovaries, internal organs, prostate, internal glands, vulva, clitoris, external genitals. Female woman, persons who menstruate. Male men, person who produces sperm, penis, outer part, labia, Outer folds, menstrual cycle or period, uterine bleeding, pregnant woman, pregnant person, mother, birthing person, and women's health care, sexual health. <laughs> Here are the responses to this shit. By the way, Persons who menstruate seem like something an old white guy would inappropriately say and get reported to HR for. (laughs) 
Also, can we talk about how anti-feminist it is to reduce the miracle of childbirth down to gender-neutral terminology? Chest feeding is when I'm playing box with the boys and a Dorito drops on my chest. It kind of sits there for a bit, and I eat it anyway. <laughs> Chest feeding sounds like what happened in the original Alien movie when the alien ate through the chest. Chest feeding? Like grabbing a protein shake before the gym? I feel like narrowing everything down to internal organs could be slightly problematically in the medical field. You have a problem in your internal organs. Isn't that the fucking truth? Ah, oh, yes, thank you, and this helps immensely. Menstrual cycle period is now uterine bleeding, but uterus is now an internal organ, and female woman is now a person who menstruate. So women is actually now a person who experience internal organ bleeding. I honestly hope this is fake, because it makes no sense, and he's right. You can't say menstruate anymore, but you say person who menstruates. You didn't think it through. And you're woke Fucking, I gotta be woke. You just didn't think it through. But they're thinking this through. Anti-Redskin protests escalate. Pressure on team to change name. Fawn Sharp, president of the National Congress of American Indians, is losing his fucking shit. Since it's too late to give the team name up, it's time for it to be taken. It's time for the players to rip down the name like it was a statue of a Confederate general in their locker room. I'm calling for the members of NFL franchise in Washington, D.C. to rise up. As long as that team name stands, players of conscience should sit out instead of wearing it on their helmet. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, while we're in the woke feeding frenzy, I ran into this. It's a black guy. I have a master degree. I have a master degree in film and teach film at the top tier university and over twenty five year professional career. And I walk into pitches with fully realized Bible pilot and eat seven season arc. And oftentimes, told it's not enough. But Lenin Dunham, cool. And what he was doing was trashing popular culture. Oh yeah, if you're woke, you're getting. But if you're black or white, it doesn't really matter. If you're woke, you get a series. Scott Adams, and I don't know who he is, so if he's a white supremacist, I really don't give a fuck right now, because his point is totally true, but it seems like with Ina Bay Wells, the lady from 1619, he is like the grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. I lost my TV show for being white when UPN decided it would focus on African-American audience. That was the third job I lost for being white, the other two in corporate America. They told me directly, she comes out. It's illegal to fire someone for their race, even if they're white, so no one believes that multiple jobs told you you didn't get the job. His reply, I wasn't fired. I was told I couldn't be promoted because of my color. So I left, of course. Oh, and by the way, my gender also was a problem. I invite anyone who had the same experience to put it in the comments. Ida Bay, you're absolutely right. That is why white men are totally underrepresented in supervisory position, high-paying jobs, corporate management. I mean, they're practically unicorns. His response, that's super racist. Is your point that our individual stories, hundreds of them in the comment section, are invalidated by our color? Those people with the good jobs or other white people, I don't benefit from other people getting a good job. I mean, I really don't. And then the world dumps on her. There was like 10,000 comments on this shit. White guilt's a mental disorder on the left. Should be treated as such. 
But when they're also suffering from TDS, you have you have you then have a leftist that's triggered, just waiting to play victim. It's okay to be white. He's a black guy, and it's a great video. Issue that I have, and then another issue that I'm having is also with white guilt. White guilt. I have issue. I have a huge issue with white guilt, man. On the liberal side, and because you know what white guilt to me is. White guilt to me is low expectation racism. That's all it is. It's, you know, you see white people feeling all concerned for uh, black people. Oh, you know, you guys, oh, you know, it's all fault. I'm so sorry. You guys can never be accomplished in this country because of, because of what we did to you and because, you know, oh, my gosh. It's, you know, and, and that's, to me, it's sad. That's white, and then that white guilt, that virtue signaling, that's an issue, a big issue in this country right now on the left, on the liberal side of things. A lot of my conservatives, white people on the conservative side of things, they don't look at me and feel, oh, so sorry for me, or I'm not capable of being accomplished or being successful. They don't look at me like that. They have respect for me as a fellow American citizen. And that's all I ask for as an American citizen is mutual respect. I don't need you to cower down and bend, take a knee down for me. I don't need you to you know, to kiss my boots or nothing like that. I don't need nothing crazy like that. I don't need none of that nonsense. Just treat me like a fellow American. I'll do the same to you, and we can keep it moving. And that's what... I, all I ask. And conservatives give me that. People on the left, they look down on me. They, they look at me as somebody who can't. Like, they talk, look at how they talk about voter IDs when they talk about the black community. Look at white liberals when they talk about voter IDs in the black community. They talk about, like, it's impossible for blacks to have IDs and to be able to vote for themselves. Like, how's that even possible? How can blacks even, how can they accomplish that? Like, you know how racist that sounds when I hear white people talk about that? That's real racism right there. If you think a black person can't get an ID, you know how easy it is to get an ID, especially in New York City? Oh, you really literally almost have to do is walk in a building. I came in and get a New York ID, state ID, when I just moved here seven years ago. When I just moved here, I literally walked in the building, had all my mail with me, had, like, my past three bills, all this information, social security card, everything I need, a birth certificate. And they looked at me like I was crazy. They're like, bro, all you need is, you're, you're Christopher Wright, like, pretty much, right? And I'm like, yep. And they're like, okay, well, here's your ID. It was that easy. It wasn't a, a long, difficult process, a process that any adult black person can do by themselves. So to act like it's impossible for blacks to get voter IDs or, or are capable of doing it on their own, that's racism. That's low expectation racism. And that's where I see modern-day racism in 2020 coming at me. It's not some KKK guy in Arkansas in the mountains somewhere with a, with a white hoodie on. It's a little college grad, you know, white kid, Antifa with a mask on, with a black mask on acting a fool, talking about I'm not capable to get an ID and vote. That's the racism I see in 2020. That's what's going on. It's on the left. So He's spot on. But the comments continue. Me and Eric started a job at Fortune 500 Company on the same day. We had similar experience, but I had much better Excel skills. Eric was immediately put on fast track for promotion because he's black. I help him to this day with his Excel. Teddy Sanders. Back in 75, I was a teacher in Philadelphia. Myself, along with 10,000 other teachers, were laid off because we were white, so the school district could desegregate the teachers. John Carney, every hiring department and every company has a spreadsheet noting which candidate for jobs are diverse and which are not. The hiring directory knows their jobs are to maximize diversity or else they get in trouble. Ken LaCord, I fired a middle-aged black woman once. She was the most incompetent employee I've ever had, yet took lawyers months and eventually millions of dollars in a lawsuit. White guy, I fired him, no problem at all. He had tenure, too. James Ditto, I'm looking to hire my new role. The board specifically said to hire white people because they're easier to fire. <laughs> my dad was denied a job because he was a white male. Not guessing why he didn't get this job. It's a matter of public record. My son was told back while at college, do not apply for this scholarship because you're white. 
Jack Murphy, she denies your lived experience, gaslighting at its finest. Apparently our entire world is illuminated by gas lamps now. So true. When I was at Texas Instrument, I had a manager tell me I could, couldn't compete with the folks from India because they cost 10 to 15K less per year and they work day and night. I was part of a mass layoff shortly thereafter. And it's true. Here's another story. Cheshire police rejected for job for being white and straight tribunal fines. John Backman lawyer says positive action is an important tool to encourage diversity, but should be applied lawfully, and it wasn't. The entire left establishment talks about how it's racist to get black people, not get black people in STEM and not have black programmers. But this new immigration law Trump just did, that's why the left's pissed off about it. Because it hits them directly. They don't hire those black kids. They hire people from India. They get the check mark for diversity. And oh, by the way, they pay them less. Because they don't have to pay them the same amount. It's an H1N1 hire. Or H1B. Or H1B. Yeah, that's what it is. H1B. Um, Visa. It's all a sham. They've been doing it for years. They talk about it. They're made up a bunch of fucking lily white liberal kids and Indians. That's who does your programming. They don't hire that black kid. And the black kid can be totally qualified. But if I gotta pay you $10,000 more, fuck it. Fuck it. So, yeah. I thought it was a great tweet. I don't know who that guy is. And there were some racist comments in there. But she got fucking ratioed. And I ratioed her too. I mean, I had a friend on the promotion board. I got bumped the year before I'm 87. He said, you were there, but they went back and did quota. They say they don't do quota in the Army, but they have to. ever since that colonel sued him, saying he didn't get promoted because he was black. That wasn't the case he didn't get promoted. He didn't have good fucking ORBs. He wasn't a great officer. But they had to pay a shitload of money, reinstate his ass with a promotion. Then the entire Army went to quotas. And if you have 10,000 guys going to make E7, say 1,000 to make it more more make sense. 1,000 people and 300 of them aren't black, even though there's more white than black in the infantry field, but it's very close. They're going to get their 300 black guys. If the next year they have 600 black guys and 400 white guys, they're not changing shit. The 600 black guys are going to get promoted. That's how the systems work. That's why all this in the street is bullshit. It's all fucking bullshit. It's lies. It's made on faulty science and statistics. It's fucking horseshit. So, we're going to go back to our soundbite of the day. Kind of incorporate some new shit. This is, uh, I've edited down, but it's an older woman digging an Antifa kid's ass. And Ben Shapiro did a seven, it's 30 minutes long, so I only did like six minutes, I think. Uh, seven reasons why ripe fragility is horseshit, and then we're going to go into some tweets of the day. Well, my gosh, what can I say except Debbie, you're going to Paris, so this is the final answer heard all around the world. He's won a million dollars. Own the Invisible Man. Someone's sitting in that chair. Now with deleted scenes. Where are you? And a look behind the scenes. The Invisible Man, yours to own on 4K and digital. Alrighty, so we're here to discuss 
best-selling book in America, Robin DeAngelo's White Fragility. It is a truly awful book on every level. I'm going to go through it in detail with you. We are going to problem spot it. And note that basically it's just a cult manual. It really is a cult manual. We'll get to all of that in just a second. First, just want to let you know that this video and videos like it are brought to you by our sponsors over at Raycon. They are indeed spectacular. Go get yourself a pair of Raycons today so you can listen to content like this. Alrighty, so let's talk about this truly awful cult book. It is a cult book. The only way to describe White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo is that this is basically a book by a cult leader who is going to cleanse you of your thetans, your racist thetans. You, you have all of these racist thetans. They've clogged up your soul. And they were put into a volcano long ago, and now they've exploded. They've coated your soul. The only way to get rid of the racist thetans is to let Robin DiAngelo educate you in your racism, racism you didn't even know that you had. If you deny that you have it, you're even more racist than you were before. The book is just loaded with problems. It is absolutely insane. I mean, it's an insane book. There are a bunch of folks who are liberal, by the way, who have reviewed this book and found it to be completely insane because you don't actually have to be conservative to spot absolute bullcrap when you see it. And this book is just that. I, I broke it down into seven categories of suckiness. So there, there are seven categories that, that really kind of this book breaks down into. They are historical nonsense. So her take on American history is just obscenely ridiculous. And then there is the her bizarre redefinition of racism. So she redefines the term racism to mean this thing out there that she can label you with, even though you know you're not a racist. And then there is a third category of stupidity, and that is ripping on American systems. So all systems of America are inherently bad. It must be ripped down to the ground. Then there is the fourth problem, which is the arrogance of white centrality. The idea that the only voices that matter in America are voices like Robin DeAngelo's. Only white woke leftists like Robin DeAngelo matter because she is better than you. She has more, more moral authority. She's a better white person than you if you're white. And she is more intelligent than you if you are black. And you require her as a white savior in order to fix your life if you are a black person. I mean, she, she's fairly explicit about a lot of this stuff in the book. Fifth problem, she treats black people as absolute tokens. She does not treat them as fellow human beings who think and act like normal human beings. She treats them as sort of an exotic other who react in bizarre ways that only Robin DeAngelo sees. It's, it's very weird. You get to the, the biggest problem of all is the unfalsifiability of it, the cultish nonsense of it. And, and this is, I mean, if she could have you at a resort in Latin America drinking Kool-Aid, she would. Robin DeAngelo. The unfalsifiability and the cultish insanity of this book are beyond the pale. And then finally, the insane examples. That's my favorite part. She has a bunch of kind of personal stories of stuff she's done in her diversity training. She gets paid tens of thousands of dollars to lecture woke white people at companies and supposedly make them less racist. But it's weird because when she walks away, people seem to be more pissed off than they were before she came. But that's just a sign of their own white fragility and defensiveness. So we'll get to all of those things. Okay, so let us begin at the beginning with her take on American history. Now, as I've said before, there are really, really a lot of bad things in American history. And you don't have to make light of bad things in American history in order to still say that America is an incredible nation with tremendous founding principles that we failed to live up to. And the story of America is getting better over time and broadening the rights guaranteed in the founding to more and more people over time in consonance with universal principles. You don't have to whitewash any of American history in order to say that. According to Robin DeAngelo, however, American history really did not exist up until Robin DeAngelo wrote this book. And her take on American history is so bizarre, it's, a, it's completely disconnected. So I'll give you an example. She says in this book, quote, women were denied the right to vote until 1920. Black women were denied access to that right until 1965. So if you just read that, you would think that black women were denied the vote until 1965. That's not true. Black women were given the vote at the same time that white women were given the vote, namely in, in 1920. Now, it did require the Voting Rights Act to ensure that black Americans were given access to the ballot box, but 
She says this like three or four different times, this 1965 idea that black women were not allowed to vote until... No, black Americans were basically discriminated against until the end of Jim Crow. Okay, that's that's a minor example. She also gives the example of Jackie Robinson. She suggests that the way we learn history in America is deeply wrong because we learn things like black people who are successful are outliers. So Jackie Robinson, the only reason he made the major leagues is because he was the only black player deserving of reaching the major leagues. There's not a single fan of baseball who has ever thought that. Like literally not a single fan. What made Jackie Robinson historic is that he was the first black ball player, not that he was the first good black ball player. I feel like most baseball fans are fairly well aware of this thing called the Negro Leagues, where there were lots of great players like Josh Gibson and Satchel Paige. Like we were all pretty much aware of that, but she has to rewrite history such that all white people everywhere are bad and also apparently incredibly stupid. Again, those are the mild examples. Listen to how she characterizes America's history. Quote, in some ways, racism's adaptations over time are more sinister than concrete rules such as Jim Crow. The adaptations produce the same outcome. People of color are blocked from moving forward, but have been put in place by a dominant white society that won't or can't admit to its beliefs. She is literally saying that the racist adaptations in American life, uh, in American life are worse since the Civil Rights Act than the regime of Jim Crow. You have to be a patently insane person to believe this. Given the, the advancements that black Americans have made since the end of Jim Crow, the growth of the black middle class, the increase in black college graduates, I mean, given the fact that you don't have legal barriers to entry in the United States anymore, to suggest that informal structures of racism are more damaging to black Americans than, you know, legalized structures of racism in the United States is perfectly insane. This is, this is maybe my favorite ahistorical quote. This is just, again, doing the, really, taking the, the narrative that you see so often in sort of the New York Times op-ed page where you pick a bad thing that happened in 1783 and then you go, and it's just the same today, and you just miss all the intervening history, this quote is, is a real charmer. Quote, there is a curious satisfaction in the punishment of black people, the smiling faces of the white crowd picnicking at lynchings in past, and the satisfied approval of white people observing mass incarceration and execution in the present. So she's literally saying that white people today who look at the prison system are exactly the same types of people who attended lynchings as a party in 1920, which is crazy. And there's no other word for that. That'd be crazy. That is nuts. That is nuttiness on a very high level. That is that is just crazy because she's a crazy person. Okay, so that is point number one, is her crazy view of American history. And this, again, is tied into her crazy definition of American racism. So this gets us to point number two. So normally we define racism as discrimination against someone based on race, correct? Wouldn't that be the simple definition of racism? Racism is when I treat you differently based on your race, because I have a bad perception of you because of your race. Right? That is the definition of racism, but not according to Robin DeAngelo. Racism is far more than that. Racism is in the air. Racism surrounds us. It binds us. It holds the galaxy together. Right? She's the Yoda of racism. It's the force. That's all it is. Quote, everyone has prejudices and discriminates, but structures of oppression go well beyond individuals. While women could be prejudiced and discriminate against men in individual interactions, women as a group could not deny men their civil rights. So one of the key aspects of racism, according to Robin DiAngelo, is that racism, and this is a trope on the left, is that discrimination, it's not just discrimination and prejudice. It is discrimination and prejudice baked into systems of power, into hierarchies of power. So, sure, a black person could discriminate against a white person, but the black person has no power. So you're assuming the pro this is perfectly circular. America is discriminatory, right? And the proof that America is discriminatory is that America is discriminatory. That is the proof that America is discriminatory, is that America is discriminatory. So it is an identity. She's basically saying that America is discriminatory because of white people. And if you point to other people who discriminate, they don't count because America is discriminatory because of white people. And that is the logic that she is using here. 
So this leads her to insane contentions like this one. Whites hold the social and institutional positions in society to infuse their racial prejudice into the laws, policies, practices, and norms of a society in a way that people of color do not. Okay, now, that may have been true in, like, 1960. That is certainly not true today, right? Listen to the rest of this quote. A person of color may refuse to wait on me if I enter a shop, but people of color cannot pass legislation that prohibits me and everyone like me from buying a home in a certain neighborhood. That is literally forbidden by federal law. A white person cannot pass that legislation either. It is barred by federal law. It was made illegal in the Fair Housing Act of 1968, guys. It's been legal for a really long time. And then there are... To our tweets of the day, Jake Tapper, Farrakhan is a vile, anti-LGBTQ, anti-Semitic misogynist. Why is Fox Channel airing this propaganda? So the only time CNN notices that Farrakhan's a bad person is when Fox does it, and Ice Cube was like, watch your mouth. Mm-hmm. Ajuma Baruka, want to eliminate white supremacist revisionist history and symbols? Let's include this revisionist insulting nonsense represented by the play and now movie... Hamilton <laughs> is not just a colonized dress-up as white folk. It's myth and anti-slavery Hamilton. Rose, Rose A. Clemente. This article below is four years old in light of the upcoming release of Hamilton on Disney Plus on July 3rd. In the moment we are in, are folks actually going to celebrate Alexander Hamilton who bought and sold say, slaves? Hmm... There it is, yeah. Then we got Fox 17 from Miami-Dade. Miami-Dade County, Florida will close all beaches July 3rd and 7th amid an outbreak of COVID-19 in the Sunshine Slate. Update. Miami-Dade says lap dances are not considered performances, so as of now, lap dances may continue at strip clubs. <laughs> Everything else got a 10-foot buffer. But sticking a stank ass on you, you're good. Uh, let me see. Uh, let me make sure I got the last one. No, it's not the last one. Alyssa Milano. Cancel culture is being weaponized by the right and Putin. There you go. Russia. Always get it in there. Take notice of who they are targeting and what is trending. Are they trying to hurt Trump's most vocal critics? Yep. The misinformation campaign has begun. Be vigilant in what you post on social media. Truth still matters. Never change, Alyssa. Side by side. What you just said. And then, hi, Amazon. Pro-gun regulation advocates are canceling Prime and Boycott while NRA members are pledging loyalty to you for being pro-NRA. Do you want to know, be known as pro-NRA? Because if you don't cancel NRA TV, that's exactly what you'll run the risk of becoming. What she's pissed about is people found her funny and die. Pookie from Jersey Shores. And she's in blackface. It's not tan face. It's blackface. Totally black. And the shoe doesn't fit as good, does it? Steve Guest, despite looking down at his notes, Joe Biden forgot the name of his hometown newspaper. Embarrassing. Ari Fleischer, what he wasn't asked anything about Biden's role in authorizing surveillance on Trump. Do blue lives matter? Should chop in Seattle be allowed? Will you prosecute those destroying statues? Should NYPD cut a million dollars? None of those questions were asked in his little presser that they did. Because, come on. Why would they? 
Simultaneously, the hill ignored his lack of cognizance, because he even says, I had a list. Joe Biden slams Trump's cognitive abilities. This president is, he talks about cognitive capability, he doesn't seem to be cognitive aware of what's going on. So we're going to shot and chase her that him talking about Trump isn't cognitive, and then Biden not being cognitive, and then I'm going to yell on the other side about the media and Joe Biden. Enjoy. Oh, I forgot to do this because I used to do it. This is the tweet of the day. One of two things. This president is, um, he talks about cognitive capability. He doesn't seem to be cognitively aware of what's going on. He either reads and or gets briefed on important issues and he forgets it or he doesn't think it's necessary that he need to know it. But the fact is that at a minimum, at a minimum, the discrepancy allegedly between, within the, the intelligence community as reported, some thought it was more certain and others thought it was less certain, that should be resolved. The president should have on day one said, I want you to come before me in the, in the situation room and lay out the differences and discretion. What, who, who, is, who, is, who is saying what? Let's get to the bottom of this, number one. Number two, it's clear to me that, and I don't know whether he did, he should have immediately contacted our, our, our Joint Chiefs of Staff, gotten them all in one room and sat and said, okay, what are we doing to prevent this? What are we doing to prepare to deal with this if this is happening? How are we doing this? What are we doing? Thirdly, he should, at a minimum, have picked up the phone and said, Vladimir, old buddy, if any of this is true, and it doesn't cease immediately, you've got a big problem, a big problem, and make it clear. Get to the bottom of this. It appears as though, from what I have, and I don't have access to classified information anymore, but if what I have heard over the last week and the recent reporting that it was in the PDB, the Presidential Daily Brief. The Presidential Daily Brief is something I read every single day as Vice President. The President read it every day. I was briefed every morning before I got to the White House and then again. So the idea that somehow he didn't know or isn't being briefed, it is a dereliction of duty if that's the case. And if he was briefed and nothing was done about this, that's a dereliction of duty. I guess the best way for me to end this is, I was talking to Jill, I'm my wife Jill, and I don't see her get outraged very often. She started asking, she said, Jill, what would you have done if Bo was still in harm's way and this information came out? And the president, Bo is my son who was, in, I'm sorry, I apologize who served in Iraq for a year, was in the Army. But if he'd been in Afghanistan, what would you do, Joe? What are those parents thinking out there? What are those sons and daughters, husbands and wives? It's an absolute dereliction of duty, if any of this is even remotely true. So I think the president has a lot to answer for, and you should get the answers quickly. I'm happy to take questions if you have them. gave me a list of how to recognize. Is Alex AP out there?
You know, the most disgusting thing going on right now is why is he not asked anything? Nothing. He's allowed to sit in a basement. You guys roll him out. He's more fucking everything than Trump, but you never ask him a single question about anything. It's kit glove. And it's because they believe the polls are saying that he is going to win, so let's not hurt him because we hate Trump. And that's the only reason I can come up with it. No presidential candidate that technically is not really a candidate yet has ever been treated this well. Ever. In our history. It just hasn't happened. Really hasn't. To our This Is America, Pelosi, the media is too fair to Republicans. Then Fauci caught on a mic saying he hates a fucking mask when he's videoing with a mask by himself. And then the parade sound that I was looking for and I couldn't find, well, it was up back here in This Is America. You're telling us that we all have to have masks. There's edicts that you must wear a mask. It's a political thing for the left, but simultaneously, two people being prayed around as dogs at a tranny festival, that's okay. They had masks on. They were muzzles. Yeah, that's not a mask. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. Madam Speaker, let me ask you if I can right now about police reform. Obviously, a major issue as we see this wave of protests continuing across the, across the country right now. You've echoed your Democratic colleagues who have said that the Republican bill is, in their words and in your words, unsalvageable. When you were speaking yesterday, you said that Republicans are, quote, trying to get away with murder, actually, the murder of George Floyd. Senate Republicans are demanding an apology for that statement. Will you apologize? Absolutely, positively not. Uh, the fact is, people say, I think you, frankly, in the press have given them far too much credit for a bill that does nothing. They're saying, well, you have your bill, they have theirs. Yeah, our bill does something, theirs does nothing. Is Tim Scott working it's a good faith, I guess? <laughs> I'm sorry? Well, we would hope is Tim Scott working right. in good faith? Is this a good starting point? I'm talking about Mitch McConnell. I'm talking about Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell could could open this up again and have an open judiciary committee consideration of a bill where they could come together and get something done. The reason we have overwhelming support across the country, young people, sports figures, uh, big-time names in the uh, people of color communities and the rest, is that the bill gets something done. So when you all in the press say, well, can't you compromise? No, we can't compromise if you say no chokeholds, and they say some chokeholds. What's the compromise? Fewer chokeholds? No. No chokeholds. But that we have to have some fundamental um, uh, stipulation of fact that certain things are wrong. Their bill is a non-starter. I had hoped and kept the door open to the thought that maybe they'll come up with something that could be matable or reconcilable. 
uh, but they, they haven't. And it's most unfortunate to see that the United States Senate Republicans can ignore hundreds of thousands of people in the streets of America across the country, day in, week in, now month, uh, 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 for a long period of time, speaking out for justice and policing, right. respecting those who do their jobs correctly, but also recognizing there are those who do not. And so the, the legislation that we've put forth is, uh, is, is one piece. There's more that we should all be doing, but this is one piece that we thought would have consensus. But what the president put forth and what the Republicans are putting forth is to hijack words but do take no action, so make no difference. But it's not too late. Mitch McConnell can, uh, uh, can take the good faith of yeah. Tim Scott or other members who may want to uh, cooperate and write a bill in a bipartisan way in their Judiciary Committee and see where they so come up. just fucking horse shit there's a lot of bad in our this is america and it's tweets so let's knock them out number one taylor lorenz a blue check journalist she works for the new york times kellyanne conway's daughter posting save baron 2020 content on tiktok jerry dunleavy she's 15 taylor lorenz reply so what? She can't have political beliefs of her own to express online? Jerry Dunleavy. I'm generally curious why you're sharing a 15-year-old post with hundreds of thousands of people. Is there not a general rule to leave kids out of it? Her reply. She already has thousands of views, and I've been going viral on TikTok for her vids for about a month. Also, I talked to her about tweeting, and we are mutuals. I don't know what you want, but she's her own person. Growing on her so's online audience. Amber Athey. Kind of weird to be mutual with a 15-year-old. Her reply, not for me. I read about teenage influencers and TikTok stars. Amber Anthony again. It's one thing if you're getting permission from parents to put their kids' content on blast. But as a reporter, I think you should know better than to be commiserating with 15-year-olds. It's weird. And if it was conservatives doing it to, say, Omar's daughter... Would you get away with it? Anybody? Then we have Daily Beast hammering Van Jones from the left. Are you secretly working with Trump on policing, which made, on policing, excuse me, which made him do this? The Daily Beast article is based on false sensational charges apparently designed to get clicks, shares, and likes. 
haven't even visited D.C. since before the pandemic, let alone been in the White House. I have never been included on any meetings about police reform, not try phone, Zoom, media, nada. I didn't know that it was in the EO until the day it was released. When I met with folks at the White House, I say so during relevant coverage on the air, as I did through 2018 when I worked on criminal justice. But he had to defend himself, because once again, he's not being lockstep. While they were doing that, the Daily Beast ignored four Toledo City Council members accused of accepting bribes for two years by the FBI, and they were all arrested. Nobody in the media covered that. But we covered Van Jones. Yeah. Then we have the hate of the hate. Czar Beckett Adams. Seriously, can someone explain to me what the fuck is going on at the New York Times? Paul... Krugman, reality is coming for white supremacists driving golf carts, and they show COVID surge in Florida, and another article about how DeSantis sucks with less deaths and cases than Cuomo does, but Cuomo's awesome. His tweet, we are witnessing an industry-wide nervous breakdown, New York Times, Mount Rushmore was built on native land, CNN. These are the big brands that haven't pulled ads on Facebook. New York Times again. Throughout human history, three caste systems have stood out. I didn't cover it today because I'm too fucking angry. India, Nazi Germany, and the United States. CNBC. Political contribution from billionaires soared from $32 million in 2010 to $611 in 2018, according to a new study. And they show Trump only. When we all know Steyer, Soros, they're giving so much to Biden, it's not even funny. Gerald Byer took down the article. Throughout human history, three castes have stood out. India, Nazi Germany, United States. Um, the lingering millennium's long caste system of India, the tragically accelerated, chilling, and officially vanquished caste system of Nazi Germany, and the shape-shifting, unspoken, race-based caste pyramid in the United States. So we're all Nazis. We were Nazis under Obama. Remember that, because he was in charge for eight years. That's how we got here. People's replies, you got to wonder how many editors looked at this before it went to print. American progressivism ranks among the most periocal and narrow-minded creeds in the world throughout human history, which I just decided to rewrite. Embarrassingly inaccurate, based take on human history. Difficult to imagine a paper publishing this, but I'm not surprised by much anymore. Throughout history, write. It's not as if early civilization usually attributed the existence of commoners and noble nobility and separate acts of creation and slaves. Hilariously wrong and statistically also, but beyond that, how is that when South Africa didn't stand out to you? Then somebody says it. She's part of the 1619 crew. There it is. And then lastly... There's this article. I saw it on CNN briefly, and then they dropped it. Because here's the local coverage. Police say the man driving a white SUV was pulled into a right turn lane in an attempt to turn on Center Street when several protesters began crowding the vehicle. 
Police said a male protester ran to the passenger side of the SUV, pointed a handgun at the driver, and shot one round through the window. The driver was struck by a bullet and fled the scene. The gunman shot a second round that went through the rear passenger window, according to video obtained by police. The same protester later approached another vehicle on 500 North University Avenue and broke the window with the handgun, police stated in a Facebook post. Haas Diznat newsman, Nias Diad, zoomed in and slowed down video, clearly shows rioters pull a gun and shoot into the truck before it attempts to escape. Is this what Black Lives Matter is all about? The Utah shooting is probably the worst of all of them because you can hear the shot, but what they did is they ran it without the sound. Because they're trying to establish white supremacists are targeting protesters with the people in St. Louis and then, of course, with, you know, bullshit. It's just all fucking bullshit. The NPR article was bullshit. All of it's bullshit. It's all lies because they're trying to project and cover for a mob. Either they're with the mob or they're scared of the mob. Those are your two choices. There is no in-between. But it's it's damn pathetic. You got Krugman relishing in the death of white people that he presumes are conservative and getting away with that as a journalist. The New York Times has lost its fucking mind. CNN's lost his mind. WAPO's lost its mind because they're in the fervor of a time where they think they can really change the country to a socialist fucking hellhole. And it's the same closing as I did last time. We're going to have to vote straight red, whether it's good or not. I mean, for fuck's sake, conservatives offered up get rid of Columbus Day. Who the fuck celebrated Columbus Day? It's just a day off. Nobody does a Columbus reenactment of the genocide. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with you people? But as we go into our 4th of July this weekend, enjoy time with your family. My son's going to come over Sunday because he wants to blow shit up in his neighborhood and piss off his neighbors, which is kind of fun. We'll probably barbecue some hamburgers. Watch the 4th of July show from Nashville. They're going to air it. It's scared, scaled down. Nobody can go, but they're still going to show something. So we're going to watch that, and I'll fly my flag like I do every 4th of July. But it's very depressing if you love this country for its everything about it. We are not a racist country. We do not treat people differently. Until now. Now you have people that are arrested a hundred fucking times go out and keep doing crime because of their skin color or their religion or whatever. That's not America. We're watching a full-scale liberal meltdown over lies. And that's the problem. I would be the first to stand up and say, if cops are out lynching motherfuckers, we need to fix it. But they're not. Right now, we're bleeding the force. It's going to be like the military every time a Democrat's president. You're going to lose the best officers, have a bunch of untrained people, and you think that's great as a liberal, but it's not. 
They're not going to do their job. They're not going to do shit. They're going to sit in the car until the carnage is done. Police forces in these fucking liberal cities are going to turn into EMTs until everybody's dead and secure. They're not going in. You're going to Ferguson affect the whole eastern seaboard. And as my wife says, let them. Fuck it. This is what they want. Don't lose sleep over what these people are asking for. Because the moment it goes to shit in a year, and Biden's president, all this shit's going to get packed back up into the AOC socialist takeover of America suitcase. And it's going to go away with the bathwater. So enjoy your fourth, my friends. And this wraps up another episode of Flavor Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOP Podcast gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Edit, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Downcast, PocketCast. Check out the, the Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. We're going to go with our next podcast, 555555. July, year of our Lord, 2020. As always, I thank you for listening, and take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Thank you.